0: Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck.
1: What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 45. Wow, has it been 45 already? Episode 45 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. And my guest today has been with Ring of Honor for about a decade but he recently reinvented himself. You used to know him as Cheeseburger, but he is now the world-famous C.B. C.B., welcome to the show. World-famous C.B.
0: Hey Kevin, thanks for having me. I'm glad to glad to finally be here.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's great to have you on. You're a uh, man. I can't believe it's actually when when I did my research, um, you have been here for almost a decade, right? Because you were mm-hmm. you were in the dojo for a couple of years before we even saw you on uh, on TV. So mm-hmm. you really are. Uh, you know, you're a fixture <laughs> in Ring of Honor.
0: It's weird. Uh, I, I basically like grew up from a teenager to now a full grown adult in Ring of Honor. Like uh, when I walked into dojo i was only 17 and that was uh i trained for about two years from 2010 to 2012 before i had my first match on the indies uh so i saw a lot of changes with ring of honor over 10 years from the hd net era to us you know having no tv and being in danger of like going out of business to carry you know selling the company to sinclair and that whole process with Sinclair and seeing that grow and evolve and New Japan partnership, the CMLL partnership, NASA Square Garden and all that. I was, I don't think a lot of people realize I've been here, like through that entire, like 10 year, like a uh, period.
1: Yeah, really good. It, it just goes to show too. I think the time flies, which mm-hmm. uh, trust me on this one. I know you're still a young man, the older you get
0: the
1: <laughs> faster, that time flies. I can tell you that for a fact. I'm
0: starting time. to feel it. I'm yeah. to feel it. <laughs> all
1: right. Well, I, I want to, Uh, talk about um, and obviously you've gotten this question before and you're going to get it again and and you're going to get it more now because you are transitioning away Mm -hmm. from the cheeseburger name Uh, but I know that you told the story on your sit down interview uh, recently before your match with Tracy Williams that the first time people uh, the first time the ROH fans really heard the cheeseburger name was when it was back in 2013 Charlie Haas called you in the ring. You were one of the guys at that point that was clearing streamers from outside the ring. Charlie Haas called you in, cut a promo on you, called you Cheeseburger. And everybody in the arena that night immediately started chanting Cheeseburger. And that was the official origin of Cheeseburger. But the name actually goes back uh, a couple years before that, right? Tell Mm -hmm. people if they don't know how you originally were given that name and who gave it to you.
0: So originally, uh, I, I give all the credit to uh, my good pal Rhett Titus for the name cheese. Uh, the blessing and the uh, the curse of cheeseburger belongs to Rhett Titus. So uh, my very first road trip with Ring of Honor, I was probably about uh, maybe at most three, four weeks in the training if, that. and we we're going to Chicago in uh, Ohio for a double shot that week. And you know, it's my first road trip. I was like super nervous, but I was like, excited, and we're at the dojo, like, packing the truck and everything, and Rhett, Rhett comes, and, like, I go up to him to say hello, i was like, oh, this is Rhett by this other He's also from the dojo, like, I've seen him on Ring of Honor. Really cool. So I go up to uh, say hi to Rhett, and, like, I stick out my hand, uh, say my name, and he, like, kind of looks me up and down, and he just goes, man, you need to eat a cheeseburger. I'm like, Oh, like, what? Wait, I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, and uh and then everyone like around like all like the the guys that have been there for a while, they popped. I remember Grizzly Red was like, Oh man, like cheeseburger and the Red like, Yeah, cheeseburger, that's that that's your because at the time, like all the especially the new students just as like a rite of passage, got their own uh nickname. Like I think at the time like it was like me and a guy who they called Moppy because of his hair. Uh so, Rhett uh, called me Cheeseburger, and his idea for me to gain weight was every rest stop we stopped at on the trip, I had to eat a cheeseburger. <laughs> well, yeah. did you did you like cheeseburgers, at least, or was
1: this, uh, like, really a punishment for you to have to eat cheeseburgers?
0: No, thankfully, thankfully, I like cheeseburgers, and uh, when we left for the trip, it was, like, super late night, cause, so a lot of the uh, uh, food restaurants were closed on the, uh, the way to Chicago, so I think I only ended up eating, like... Won the entire way up to Chicago, so uh, if we had to, if it was won every stop, I probably would have paid cheeseburgers by the end of that. Tour. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, that was just what uh, they started calling me cheeseburger, and then it just started going around the locker room. So uh, you know, people, you know, doing ringside and uh, different ring correct I so was like, "Oh, grab cheeseburger to get that." They're like, "Who who who's cheeseburger?" Like, "Oh, this guy," and that, and then just spread around the locker room. I remember the uh, the Briscoes popping huge once they uh, heard it.
1: I wonder how many people at that point even knew your shoot real
0: name, like very did anybody few <laughs> even know
1: your your real first name.
0: No, pretty much nobody. Like uh, to this day, whenever someone calls me my like real name, it's kind of weird. Like I like her. Like I, I don't think I'm like in trouble or something. Like because uh, just throughout all these years, like everyone just always called me is is always a variation. It's Either uh, very rarely is it like fully cheeseburger. It's always either like burger right. or like. Or like uh, lethal, and a few people call me cheesy, which is a rare one. Uh, It's usually one of those variations.
1: Yeah, I guess the most of the times I've been around you, I've heard people call you burger. That's the one I hear the most. Mm -hmm. It's difficult for like somebody like me who's not, you know, actually a worker or anything like that. It's like there's always this thing. You know, I've been around the business for a long time, but you never quite know. You know, some people like to be called by their shoot names. Some mm-hmm. people like that's an insult, and they only want to yeah. be called by their work names. So you never quite know what to do. But it's <laughs> it's all it's really hard when someone has a name like you know cheeseburger. <laughs> right. like, I remember the first time I reached out to you for something via email. Uh, the office gave me your email, so I saw what your shoot name was. Mm-hmm. I, I think my greeting was you know I just used your first name, and when we first met each other, I used your first name because it just felt odd. Yeah, meeting, for the first time meeting you to call you Cheeseburger.
0: So, yeah, at the at the, uh, the last tape, uh, I wanted the trainer to uh, work on my neck a little bit, like after I met. And it was my first time meeting her. He's like, Oh, yeah, I see you all the time. I like, she's like, I never know, like, what to call you, though. I don't know, like, if it's okay to call you, like, Cheeseburger or like, your, I like burgers, fine. I just tell everyone burgers, fine. Like, even uh when I like, you know, just because uh, sometimes my real name is, like, very hard for me. Some people to just look through it anyway. So, I'm just like, it's, it's easier to just call me cheese or burger or cheeseburger right. or whatever.
1: I think it's great, though, that the first words out of Rhett Titus's mouth to you mm-hmm. are to to basically, um, not not insult you, but sort of take a little bit of a shot
0: at you. <laughs>
1: yeah. It seems like Rhett kind of had that reputation. I, I've heard, you know, uh, stories from Will Ferrara. You
0: know, oh, God. Oh, little Willie
1: and, and um, oh, you know, man. <laughs> uh, Kenny King told me his first impression of Rhett was like not a very good one because... Rhett was like, uh, I can't remember the exact story, but anyway, it seems like Rhett kind of has that personality. Oh
0: yeah, Will Will got it because uh, Will had to ride in the truck with him for so long. So yeah. every trip, there's some kind of story of Rhett messing with Will, and Will <laughs> just getting super mad and trying to fight him. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All good-natured, of course. Obviously, Rhett Titus is is a good guy, but just like I guess, almost like an initiation or a rite of passage. That yeah, when you're a new guy that comes in, Rhett's going to
0: give you a. Uh,
1: you know, needle
0: you a little bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love Rhett though.
1: Oh yeah. How can you not love Rhett?
0: Yeah.
1: All right. So I want to talk to you obviously about this reinvention of, uh, of yourself as the world famous CB, which I think that's a great nickname, uh, or great, great name. Um, I love that name. Uh, it's a name that sticks out just like, cheeseburger uh was you know there was no one else in wrestling with a name like that so as you said a blessing and a curse but it did it did distinguish you and i think world famous cb is another one of those names you hear it and you know maybe a certain thing comes to mind i also like that you kept cb in there as sort of uh, you know paying homage uh, uh to your past uh but I just, how long had you been thinking about this this reinvention and um and losing the cheeseburger name and I guess the second part of that is why was now the right time to pull the trigger and to do it?
0: Uh, I had been thinking about it for a long time, actually. Um, for I want to say at least like it was in the back of my mind for at least like two, three years, uh, like even before all the uh, pandemic and the lockdown and everything. So I, I had gotten to a point where I felt like Cheeseburger was going to reach a ceiling uh, and the ceiling was, How long can I continue this being at the level I'm at, and is there a future for this, um, getting through that ceiling and getting to the level in Ring of Honor and in wrestling that I want to be at and that I know I can? And it got to the point where, as I thought about it, I was like, "Well, Cheeseburger as a character doesn't have that ceiling. Like, it can't, it can't break through that ceiling. They're just..." It's too much of uh, the, the term I used uh, the vignette was it was a uh, novelty act of the fans, which um, that's not that's that's not an insult or anything or like a negative thing. But, you know, it's a guy coming out with a cheeseburger hat throwing burgers out to the fans. Uh, so, I mean, there's it has that gimmicky aspect to it. And I know my skills as a wrestler. I know what I can do. And I know as cheeseburger, I don't think people have gotten see student. So that was the initial idea behind it. And then once the shutdown happened and myself and, you know, wrestlers around the country who were out of work for months and Ring of Honor wasn't running. Um, I really had time to really sit and think of what I wanted to do when I came back. I didn't want to come back to Ring of Honor just as the same old cheeseburger doing the same old stuff because I know that wasn't that wasn't gonna get me past the level I had already achieved in Ring of Honor. I wanted to do something different. I wanted to do something you know, it's completely opposite of what Keith Show people like what I offer, uh, not just as a character, but as a wrestler, and I made the decision, I wanted to be known as a wrestler slash character, rather than a character slash wrestler, and that makes sense, uh, But and the lockdown just kind of gave me a convenient excuse to really dial it in, and then having that break uh, for fans to kind of miss me, and then come back as something completely different with my, my end goal. I think you you do
1: make a great point about you know the cheeseburger character maybe having a ceiling. I think there's definitely something to that. I guess the other way to look at it is uh, the cheeseburger character was over. The fans loved cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. Um, any time we had any kind of vote, I think where it was like who would you like <laughs> to see in this match, um, you know, like cheeseburger would get voted in. I remember there was like a six man tag match.
0: Oh yeah, the- yeah, two uh, two of the experience shows I right. got voted in. <laughs>
1: Right. So clearly, this is a successful character. So as you're thinking about, all right, this is kind of, uh, you know, limiting me in some extent, to some extent, as, as you know, developing more as a wrestler. Uh, but as you said, it was a blessing and a curse. Uh, the blessing part was that it was a character who was over. And honestly, you probably could have played this character for many more years and still mm-hmm. been over and, and successful. So as you're thinking about this, and making this huge Uh, transition in your career were there any trepidations were you wondering like well I don't know I mean this is a successful act am I kind of taking a risk here by doing it
0: oh yeah that was a a huge fear in the back of my mind that uh it's still it still kind of is because there's not uh fans at Ring of Honor right now but uh when I was planning the initial stages of the gimmick I was just like man is this the right decision like is this going to work out is you know, there's so many different things like different scenarios that run throughout your head uh, and you know Cheeseburger was a character fans like and it was really entertaining and it was, it was like you said it was over with like, it. Uh, I Feel like I could definitely play cheeseburger for many more years by I, I do I do wonder like how long I could play it before it started to get stale and the, the fans kind of start to turn on it but Losing that fan base was the the biggest fear I had, and thankfully so far, the uh, the reaction has been almost universally positive. Um, I've gotten a ton of tweets from fans that are sad she's but they're supportive and want to see what I what I do next. And I've gotten messages from people in wrestling saying like, "Hey, you know, that's the you know a big leap for you. You know, like you could throw this character out for the next few years, uh, but that's." that's pretty cool that you decided to take that leap and decide not to just rest on your laurels and decide to try something new. So people so far seem to be on board with it. And I think, too, um, having no fans right now has actually helped the character because now it just gives me a chance. It just gives people a chance to just focus just on my wrestling and they are not influenced by, say, uh, outside, like, stimulus. So I think right now just being able to get to show my wrestling without the the fanfare helping the character kind of evolve and get people to see like I can
1: do. Yeah, I think that's a great point about the, uh, you know, this is one instance where not having fans um, kind of is, is a benefit because you didn't have to worry about coming out for the first time as the world-famous CB and people uh, rejecting it. Not that I think they would have, but, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't something you had to worry about. Right. You could go in there and just concentrate on, you know, what this character is really about now, which is about proving that you are legit um, a great wrestler. And, mm-hmm. um, and again, and I, you know, you got the opportunity, opportunity to do that without worrying about the, the fan reaction, though. I do think another great point is that um, you did, it really does take some courage, I think, because you stepped out of your comfort zone. And mm-hmm. like you said, you could have been happy or you could have been successful, I guess, is a better way to put it. You could have been successful for years to come, most likely still being Cheeseburger, but it took some courage, I think, to get out of that comfort zone and to say, I can be more than this and I can be something different than this. So along those lines, when you're thinking about reinventing yourself and becoming the world famous CB, what did, you, did you always sort of have this in the back of your mind of what the character, the new character would be? Um, I guess, how would you describe... How are, how is the world famous CB different than Cheeseburger? I guess not only from an in ring style, but from mm.
0: uh, it's a whole new persona. Oh, I didn't have the character in mind like the entire time as I was um, thinking about this transition. It was that was kind of a product of having just time to think about the lockdown and taking in different forms of uh, media like television, thing, and just uh, building the character from there. But the way I like a uh, cheeseburger to people uh, at, or uh, uh, the way I like to describe world-famous TV to the people uh, is uh, a technical wrestling where like I have the uh, technical like ability in the ring, but I have the swagger outside of the ring. Uh, and that was part of what I talked about in the uh, vignette where I describe my wrestling style as uh, the rhythm. You know, like you hear good music. It makes you feel something. It makes you move. It makes you groove. And that's why I want my wrestling style to be. I want people to see me in the ring, Want them to feel something. I want them to get up out their seat and take notice, and I just want to, I guess, tug on their emotions. A bit more. I want them to see see me in the ring. I want them to really, really feel something deep inside of me.
1: From a personality standpoint, uh, from your from your real life personality, do you feel like you were maybe closer to Cheeseburger, or are you more, or are you closer to World Famous CB? Because I could see with this character, you're coming out of your shell. You know, that's like, I think a great way that certainly world famous CB is more, uh, as you said, it's, there's more glitz and glamor to it. Um, is that, has that, again, does that sort of reflect your true personality or is this kind of you trying to amplify your, your real personality?
0: Uh, I would definitely say trying to amplify cause I, I, I never felt fully comfortable at, at with cheeseburger in terms of, um, like speaking, but mm-hmm. I was, right um like for, like if i say had a promo with like like i was just like all right well how does cheeseburger like feel about this like how does cheeseburger talk i never really knew what direction like i never really knew what direction to take cheeseburger in uh from a standpoint but uh with world famous CB, i feel incredibly more comfortable in my speaking and my promo you know, sit down interviews and everything like i even if there's like no direction I, Automatically, like oh, I have material in the back of my head to speak and I think that level of ability is what I was missing for so long with Pe burger. So I would say world famous ski is just kind of like be amplified a lot more. like I, I'm a naturally like very like shy person, um, and it takes me kind of a while to warm up and break out my shell around people and I feel like world famous ski is the culmination of that of me getting comfortable and breaking out of my shell in wrestling
1: yeah that's a great that's a great point too. And I think uh, what I've noticed is is people who are generally maybe shy or, or more reserved, just kind of understated in real life. when they do play a character um who is more over the top, it's like almost like flipping a switch. It's like once you come out on that stage, once you're under the bright lights, all of a sudden you have free reign to be this larger than life person, even though that may not be who you are. Uh, in real life. And it it just makes you, suddenly you're comfortable being that person when you're out there. And then once you go back through the curtain, then, you know, you're back to who you are again. So Mm -hmm. I've noticed that, you know, with a lot of people uh, in this business who generally have a, a sort of a reserved personality. I want to talk to you though about the entrance. Uh, for the world famous CB, CB. Yes. Uh, I I will get this. That's a mouthful to say, but I will get it (laughs) correct. The world famous CB. Uh, Talk to me about the entrance. Um, I saw that you gave a shout out on social media to Caprice Coleman.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, So like uh, for my debut entrance, uh, I talked with Mark Brown, who's a member of our production team, for those that don't know. And he's absolutely awesome. Uh, We talked for weeks about getting, uh, the music and uh, i sent him the graphics for the, the Tron and uh he was just you know constantly communicating with me about uh, what what i wanted to do for the entrance and then the day of we finally got to do a run through and kind of started to work through it and we tried a couple of things and wasn't really working and priest was sitting there at the com- uh commentary station and he comes over he's like oh what about if you try this and he like comes out and he like starts doing the entrance uh he's like oh try it like this i was like all right so we're all uh, Like the three of us are all collabing on this entrance and Caprice had like a lot of really good input, uh, that really made the entrance come together. And you could see once I turn around and hit the pose and then the lights spoke all hit, uh, you could hear Caprice on commentary clapping because it ended up working out. So, uh, yo, thanks to Mark Brown and Caprice, like for coming up with that, uh, with the entrance attire, uh, as Cheeseburger for a while before I started 3S, I had the hat and the glasses and, uh, kind of like an early, version of what would later become the jacket I have now. And I was doing that and people really enjoyed it. And I kind of went away from it for a little bit. As I started World Famous CB, I really wanted to get back to that look that I knew people really liked that look. I got a new hat, and glasses. Uh, I told my gear maker, I was like, I want like a temp fur jacket. I want like double the amount of fur you put on my last jacket, make it long and everything. And she did a fantastic job on it. Uh, and Everything with the new gear, the jackets, the new hat, the glasses, like everything just all came together and really, really dug in.
1: Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a cool look and it's a cool entrance, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, I think it's a, it was a great way to kick off uh, the, uh, the birth of, uh, of world-famous CB. Let's talk a little bit about the match. Uh, you had the match against Tracy Williams recently on uh, Ring of Honor TV. Uh, man, what a great opponent. Uh, for your first match out as world famous CB and to to prove what you can do in the ring uh, as, as a technical wrestler uh, with the pure wrestling style. How do you think, uh, and I know we're all our own worst critics, so I'll say that as, as, you know, at the, at the forefront here, but how would you um, assess the match? How did you feel about it?
0: Uh, Looking back, uh, obviously, like you said, we're our own worst critics. I saw uh, so many different things I'm nitpicking that, that I could have done better, but, Overall, the the fans and the reception to the match was fairly positive. Like, pretty much everyone seemed to enjoy it. They enjoyed the getting to see me wrestling, not just being the underdog that gets beat up. They enjoyed getting to see me wrestle and hold, hold, hold. one of the best we have in Ring of Honor in the uh, hot sauce. And because the fans enjoyed it so much, I that means it was a good match. Uh, I think if the fans are enjoying it, they're making this, they're saying positive things. Uh, at the end of the day, we are entertainers trying to entertain the fans essentially. um and if the fans are having fun, uh I'm having fun, and if they're enjoying it, I enjoy it so looking back again i I see so many things I like nitpick and want to change, but the fans enjoyed it, uh so glad glad they liked it.
1: Yeah, I think just about every performer would probably pretty much give the same answer, was that I don't think anybody's 100% happy, uh, because you always go back, no matter what it is, I think, and you, you know, whether it's even an announcer, or oh, anybody, yeah. you know, you go, oh, I <laughs> wish I could have said this, you know, I, hey, every time I do this podcast, and I listen back to it, I think there are things I, why didn't I ask this question? Why didn't I phrase it better? So I, right, I yeah. think that's good. I think that's good. I think we should do that. That's the way we all, you know, continue improving and and, and getting better.
0: Uh, oh, hundred percent, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Sorry, oh, sorry, no, uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, I remember I listened to an interview with uh, John Cena like a few years ago, and it had a lot of. Uh, with, it was with uh, Chris Fleet, and it had a lot of really good, positive uh, things. That I think uh, young wrestler, Um and but one of the one of the biggest takeaways from it was um, he talked about you know being happy or unhappy with matches and just kind of like nitpicking and just kind of being our own worst critics that the best, uh, the best advice here ever got on psychology was from Shawn Michaels. And he said, Shawn Michaels once told him like, uh, was the crowd loud and were they uh, enjoying and like making noise? He said, yeah. He's like, all right, then it was good. And that was all he, that was all he left. Him with.
1: Yep. Yeah. That, that may, that makes perfect sense. When you were out there uh, with this match with Tracy, again, this is your first time as world famous CB. Um, I guess like we talked about earlier, no fans, you know, already makes the whole thing kind of strange wrestling in front of an empty arena. But was there a sense of, um, I'm not cheeseburger anymore. I'm, I'm a different guy now and I have to wrestle. I have to have different mannerisms. I have to wrestle a different way. Was it something that you got more comfortable as the match went on or right from the get-go as soon as you came through the curtain made that entrance was it like okay i'm a new guy and like you just went right into world famous cb mode
0: uh it was it wasn't until i got into the ring and actually locked up with three that i like, feel this this with uh with the entrance i was still kind of like like i said feeling it out and um we hit it on on point but i was still kind of uh, a little like i guess timid would be the, the one i'm looking for um but once me and Tracy locked up and we actually got to wrestle around, you know, that never happened as burgers. The world famous CB, you know, world famous CB and Tracy Williams can lock up and wrestle around and go hold for hold and counter for counter. And once and technical wrestling has been uh, my biggest skill that you know I've had throughout my entire career. That was one of the things that. Really, I fell in love with early on uh, training at the ROA Stojo was when we started learning team wrestling. And I never got to feel that as Cheeseburger, but getting to just wrestle around with Tracy Williams as CB, uh, that, it felt really good. And I started getting really, uh, really comfortable because I knew, okay, this is the place I'm most comfortable at in wrestling. and Now I get to do this on TV. So uh, once we started actually getting into the match, I started feeling really, really comfortable. And that's what
1: I I don't recall uh, if you have or not. Had, had, was this your first time uh actually in the ring with uh with Tracy?
0: No, we did uh we did like a six man. It was a uh, 3S versus um Tracy Haskins and PJ Black, but okay. me, and, me and Tracy we interact we did like a an opening for the match and that lasted maybe a minute. Uh, and that was like one of the most stressful matches I've ever had to like uh go through. But like not because of those guys, but just because of lack of time to prepare and everything, but that's a whole other story. But me and Tracy, we wrestled for like maybe a minute and that was it. Okay. So I'm going to pull back the curtain just
1: a little bit before, before this singles match with Tracy, um, knowing that this is a big match for you because you're coming out again, this is your debut as world famous CB. um, Did he say anything to maybe put your mind at ease or did he give you any advice? Not that he's really – I don't think he's that much older than you or been around that much longer than you, but um, what was that – was there a conversation like that before the match?
0: No, there wasn't a conversation. Uh, like like Not like that, where we just kind of talked and put everything together. Uh, cause, I mean, we both – we've known each other for, like, years, and we both know, like, what we can do in the ring. So there wasn't um, – like, it wasn't – I was, like, nervous, but I didn't, have, like, show it as we were – planning everything out and kind of like talking about the situation. So I don't think he felt the need to have that conversation. I think he's like, oh, I know like, you know, uh, Berger at the time, you know, he's like, I know Berger like knew, knows what he's doing and is a professional. So it's an easy match. And, you know, he, Tracy's awesome to work with and I hope we get to have uh, another singles soon. but there uh, there wasn't any conversation like that. It was just kind of business.
1: Right. Well, it was – the match really had to accomplish two things, which I think it did, which was, okay, Tracy was going over. Um, You know, Tracy is high up in the rankings in the pure division, so uh, he needed this – actually, I think he just went over to the television title division. Um, But anyway, so he's going over in this match, but this is your first match as the new character, so it's very important to establish you as a threat. So you have to – you know quote unquote look good in defeat and um, I think that was really accomplished that Mm -hmm. yes he got his arm raised I think it was Bully Ray one time who said you know uh, in a match somebody goes over and somebody gets over this was a great example of that Tracy went over um, but we had to get world famous CB over as a threat and I think that happened Uh, Tracy used all three rope breaks if I'm if I Mm -hmm. remember correctly right
0: yep yeah I think uh like you said like the the idea was, you know, Tracy was getting the victory, but, all right how can we establish this new person in the pure division, that being World Famous TV, how can we establish World Famous TV as a threat in the pure division, not just as the same old character that he was known as before, but this is someone completely new and right away we need to establish, like, him and what he's about, and, you know, I think think we managed to do that in the match, like you said, um, just being able to tie them up in like different knots and using rope breaks and all that. uh, I think, I think we accomplished that.
1: All right. Well, we're just getting started here. We've got a lot more to talk about, so let's take our first break and then we'll be back with more with the world famous CB right after this.
2: Hey guys, Session Martina here, here to tell you about Ring of Honor's brand new merchandising store, shophonor.com. You can go there and you can get
0: really cool jumpers like the one I'm wearing now, or you could go and get all Session Martina's merchandise and help me afford cans. Check it out
2: now.
3: Hey, Honor Nation. Check out the new and improved Ring of Honor shop at ShopHonor.com. ShopHonor.com turns ordinary online shopping into a truly immersive experience. Our new mobile-friendly design is enhanced for better navigation and search. The recommended-for-you feature will showcase products based on your unique preferences. Or find exactly what you want as you filter any category by your favorite wrestler, size, or color. Go to ShopHonor.com now.
1: All right, we are back on the ROH Strong podcast. My guest is the world famous CB. Uh, let's go back to the very beginning. Now, way before you were ever uh, into this business, at what age did you become a fan of the business?
0: Uh, I don't remember what age I was. I, probably, I guess it would have been around seven or eight because I started initially watching with my dad right around when SmackDown started. So that was like two thousand one, two thousand two ish. Okay. Yeah, about yeah, about two thousand one, two thousand two. So that would have been nine or ten at that at that time.
1: And I I know that you eventually became a huge fan of uh, Japanese wrestling. About what age were you at that point and how did you discover it? How did you go from a a kid who, like most of us or people of a certain age, you know, you grow up watching WWE, that's the thing that's uh that's all over the place that you can see. Uh, a lot of people, you know, when you first start, you don't know about things like Japanese wrestling. So mm-hmm. how did you discover it? And, and again, how old were you?
0: Um, I was in high school at the time. So I want to say uh, about 15, 16 was when I first discovered Japanese wrestling. I don't even remember how I came across the match, but the very first Japanese wrestling match I saw was uh, Jishin Liger versus Great Muda, that legendary match they had where, you know, Liger gets the match, ripped off, and he's all uh, bloody. Uh, they just have, uh, the insane, the insane, uh, match with all the, the weapons and everything. Uh, and I remember seeing Liger and I seeing Buddha and just thinking they were the two coolest wrestlers on earth in my uh, entire life. Like, I had never seen anything like either of those guys. Like they, just, and the mass and the face paint and the mist and like the, uh, ring attire and just the like, moves. Like I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So immediately, uh. Uh, I began looking up everything I could on Jushin Liger and Great Muda, and those were uh, my first like, favorite Japanese wrestlers. And eventually, uh, Liger became my first favorite and Muda became my uh, second favorite. I guess
1: at that point, you can, uh, you can start researching these guys on YouTube, right? I guess oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, a previous generation would have to be uh, a tape trader, right? But I guess you didn't, right, yeah. you didn't have to do the tape trading because it's all right there on your computer.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would sit in like school and just look up like wrestling matches, like uh, information on uh, as uh, information on different Japanese wrestlers. And like Liger and Muda opened that gateway up until discovering uh, New Japan, and then uh, eventually discovering all Japan and discovering uh, other wrestlers like Mizawa and Kibashi and Kawada and Tawei and uh, you know, like Hashimoto and uh, Hase and different. It, it opened up my eyes to I had no idea like. What Japanese wrestling even was, or it even existed until I just came across that. Match. It just it blew my mind that there's so much wrestling out there that I didn't know. Right, and so so very
1: different than uh, mm-hmm. the, the WWE style or the American style. What you're seeing uh, with with the Japanese wrestling now, Ring of Honor obviously had a a history of uh, of bringing in Japanese wrestlers. Did you know about Ring of Honor before you became a, Jap- a fan of the Japanese wrestling? Or, uh, like, at what point did you become aware of Ring of Honor?
0: I didn't become aware, like, fully aware of Ring of Honor until, like, a little bit after I discovered Japanese wrestling. Um, I had heard about it, like, briefly in, I want to say, 06, 07. But at the time, I wasn't really uh, watching wrestling at the time anyway, so I didn't, like, pay much attention to it. And then once I started getting to... Japanese wrestling that actually opened up the gateway to discovering uh independent wrestling, which led to discovering Ring of Honor. And uh, I knew a little bit about Ring of Honor, but actually, what really got me fully into Ring of Honor to where I started watching it full time was um when, in a weird way, when Daniel Bryan was like first in WWE, he like was on NXT. I started looking up a lot of stuff on Daniel Bryan, and that's what led me to I was like, oh, this Ring of Honor place. I've seen some stuff about them. Let me check out some of their shows. Uh, And Daniel Bryan being on that that first early iteration of NXT that led me into the gateway of Ring of Honor, which led me to become a fan of Ring of Honor, which led me discover the ROH dojo.
1: And that that's obviously that was going to be my next question is um, when you first decide you want to be in this business, uh, you you make your way to the ROH dojo. But let me ask you as far as making that decision uh, to be a pro wrestler. I mean, it's no secret that you're not the biggest guy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, uh, I, think I think I read in an interview one time where you said you were about 107 pounds, is that correct, when you first started training? Uh, what
0: was I? Uh, I want to say around 115. I was like still 17 at the time. Not okay. much bigger, but yeah, really, really small. Now, are there doubts
1: in your mind um, that you can, like when you make that decision, okay, I love this business, I want to be a wrestler. How much of, of there is is this doubt in your mind that, you know, there's not a lot of guys that look like you at your size. There's shorter guys. Uh, but as far as, you know, whatever, what are you, 5'9 or so and, and being mm-hmm. that thin, you don't see a lot of guys like that. And did you get a lot of pushback, whether it was from your friends, your family, uh, anyone saying, you know what, you're out of your mind. You're never going to make it in this
0: business. Um, not so much like pushback. I mean, people kind of thought it was like, strange but nobody nobody at least in like my personal life was like oh no don't don't do that don't don't go there blah blah, blah. but like uh there was but people just thought it was kind of like weird but um something uh, a lot of people don't know about me though when i signed up for the roh dojo and the roh training academy i originally signed up to be a manager because i thought it was quality wrestler so um i had met with delirious and daisy hayes who were the trainers at the time and i told them yeah i want to like join i want to join as a manager so uh i signed up as a manager but even people doing being a manager had to do uh, all the same training as wrestlers like i had to do all the drills all the warm-ups uh the circuits on the outside the uh, ropes lock up chain wrestling and bumping everything and once i started learning the wrestling aspects i started like progressing on pretty well i was like oh maybe I'm starting to do really well with this, especially like the, like I said, the technical wrestling and learning chain wrestling. I was like, Oh, I'm really liking this. I'm starting to do really well with this. Maybe I could be a wrestler. So I asked the and Daisy, Hey, would it be okay if I continue my training as a wrestler? And they were super supportive were, yeah, you're progressing really well. Like I think that'd be a good decision for you. And they were awesome and let me do that.
1: Okay. So that's very cool. So, so you even in your own mind thought maybe, maybe, uh, maybe wrestling, uh, being a wrestler, isn't necessarily my Mm -hmm. calling but being a manager being involved in the business in some way is and then uh, that's that's interesting um Mm -hmm. when you go into a school though and you say i want to be a manager uh obviously like you said you you still have to go through the drills and everything else managers pretty much are expected to take bumps uh too so it's Mm -hmm. you know important you have to learn all that stuff as far as when you say i want to be a manager though is there like a um I don't know if it's like a, a, a curriculum. I mean, is it, do they focus more on also like speaking and, and presence and things like that? Or is pretty much everybody go through the same things.
0: Uh, I never really got to like, where it's kind of like, there's a point where it splits off to be kind of like, all right, your path is on your path is a manager. But like the first, the, at least the beginner first few months, all, everyone gets trained the exact same way. Um, and I never got to that point where it like split off. I was still in like the beginner stage where I was like, oh, I want to be a wrestler. Like, literally, first day, no matter what role you are like, uh, wrestler, referee, manager you're on the outside, you're doing, uh, you know, the push ups, the squats, the, the crunches, the, the stretching. And then when you get in the ring, you're learning how to lock up, uh, you know, learn the basic holds, uh, bumping, running the ropes, uh, even like learning taking heat and selling and everything. Uh, all that, like, I went through all that before I did. So it was, like, manager training. And I was just like, oh, this is going, like, pretty good. Let me just continue with this. <laughs> How difficult
1: was it from a, uh, a physical standpoint? Just kind of the, you know um, – well, let me ask you first. Did you have an athletic background at all? Did you play sports in high school or did you wrestle amateurly? Anything like that?
0: No, not really. I, I did, like, a little bit of karate and Hong Kong, for, like, off and on for maybe about a year and a half I was younger. Uh, but none of that. By the time I started wrestling, all that had like to the wayside. I did a little, a little bit of basketball in high school though, but besides, like I was never like much into sports, like doing athletics. But I was, I, I didn't, I honestly didn't realize like that I had as much athleticism as I had once I started getting into wrestling. When we were doing like things like uh, hip ups and like up and over and banderas out the ring, I was like, oh, this stuff is like actually. like, not too bad. Like I I was like, I was like, the first time I did my hip hop, I was like, Oh, I've never actually knew I could do that, you know? Uh, but I was never really big into sports uh, growing up. Looking back though, I wish I got into uh, like wrestling or like uh, Jiu Jitsu or something like that. Was there ever a point uh, you said you've actually, you know, you sort of
1: discovered you had an aptitude for, um, you know, the the bumps and the moves and things like that. Uh, maybe even surprise yourself a little bit, but was there was there a point where the actual pounding, you know, I've talked to guys who said like, man, the first, it's a wake up call, just getting in there and hitting the ropes,
2: um, mm-hmm. how much
1: that hurts. Uh, was there a point where you're like, man, this is, this is a lot tougher than I thought it would be? Or did you ever think, man, I don't know if I can, uh, you know, like this is necessarily for me because obviously your body's taking a pounding.
0: Oh yeah uh, there were multiple instances of that but the the first time was after my first day of training like the first day of training uh I we came in and uh at the time the first day uh delirious was doing the tour of Japan so we were just uh training with uh Daisy and she's you know awesome an absolute legend in ROH women's wrestling on the independent circuit uh and she was uh really big in the yoga but her yoga would be like yoga mixed with cardio at the same time. So that was our initial warm up, where it's like uh, a stretch plus like cardio. And then uh, people who were like more advanced, they would get in the ring and then all our first, all the state people would stay on the outside and be like, all right, uh, we're going to do like four circuits of like uh, uh, like 25 pushups, 25 squats and five crunches and uh, like burpees and jumping jacks and all that. Uh, and especially for someone uh, like myself and, other people in the class that had not had any sort of intense athletic training like that like ever it was a huge wake-up call I remember just like landing on the floor like feeling like I was dying and then uh I came back after after training I got in the car with my mom and I was like yeah I don't think I'm gonna go back the uh next day and <laughs> I I've never asked I've never asked my mom this I don't know if it's uh at the time I think you had the first day is like a thousand of it and then like monthly payments after that Uh, and there's like a non-refundable deposit so I don't know if she like was trying to motivate me or just like I can't get my money back but she's like all right just give it like one more day like go back four times give it one more day and I was like all right so I went back the next day and then you know it was fucked again and rested up went back next week and then another day another day another day and just kept going on like that but uh if my mom was just like hey yeah you don't have to come back like second day I, I probably wouldn't have shown back up
1: wow all right Well, kudos to mom
0: We wouldn't be having this conversation today if
1: not for your mom then. Absolutely. Did you ever feel like because you were – I'm guessing you were one of the younger guys there um, and clearly not the biggest guy. Did you ever feel like maybe you had to prove your toughness and prove that you could get in the ring and and take the pounding just like everybody else was doing?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I definitely felt like that. uh, Yeah, by far the smallest and also like the youngest for a long time. So uh, I – I did feel like kind of, uh, I had to prove myself to the uh, older the older uh, people that have been there for you know for years. Like years. Um, I really kind of felt that. Uh, I don't, I don't want to say pressure, but I definitely felt like I needed to prove myself to them because everyone, I think when I first walked in, like pretty much everyone that was there was like, all right, there's three people in my class, and I think they're just like, all right, out of the three, this is the guy that's going to quit most likely. You know, he's like super strong. Ronnie is super really young like there's no way he's in class. out of the three people in my class I was the only one uh even classes like after mine I was the only one that stuck around long term uh and I was the last one to kind of stick around and fight through that uh funny story though about one of my classmates he he there's a guy he like trained the we had three people the first day the one dude he, he didn't come back the second day um uh, me and uh, one of my classmates we trained together for about like six seven eight months and then he just vanished out of nowhere like uh, like everyone just don't know where he went uh about a year and a half two years later i get a text message from him hey man like it's me like what's up how you been i'm like oh hey like what happened to you like we uh like everyone's kind of like wondering what happened it's like oh man you know i just got in some trouble with the law but i'm all good now i'm like oh all right <laughs> I'm like oh okay that's i wasn't expecting that but okay i did ask him to elaborate but i just remember he's like yeah i just got some trouble with the law but everything's all good now i'm like oh okay <laughs> Well, I want to ask you who it was, but did he come back? No, no, he never came back. He's like he's like he said he was gonna come back, but you hear you hear that a lot. Like even like now, like having my own school, like it'll be people that leave. They're like, Oh yeah, I'll I'll be back in like uh in a few months and he like, take a break, and then a lot of times that break never coming back. Yeah, I guess you never
1: really hear like what the percentage is of people who start with it and um and actually stick with it. I- I'm guessing I mean, I guess everyone's experience is different, but, I mean, in your experience, just as uh, when you were a a trainee, and since you've been a trainer, uh, like, what's the percentage of people that
0: start that actually stick with it? Oh, man, it's it's super low. Like, it's really, really, like, um, it kind of, to be honest, it blows my mind uh, how many people... Will drop money on wrestling training, and just like fit Like after a very short amount of time, because wrestling training is not like, it's not cheap at all. Like uh, not like not cheap at all, and like it's a lot of money, especially like the initial deposit uh, drop down. And, like I've had people come to my school and literally like paying for like uh, a few like thousands. Like, like, all right, I'm I'm, to pay in full. I'm going to get this out of the way. Like, to, uh, like, if you pay in full, there's a, a discount. And so I'll pay in full and I'm going to stick with this. And then just after, like, I've had people do that and after, like, two weeks. And it just kind of blows my mind that someone could just not at least try and stick with it for a few months uh, after dropping so much money, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's super low. Like, I remember it probably wasn't until Mandy Leon joined the dojo that we had someone stuck around. And she joined, like, yeah, I want to say like two years, two, two and a half years after I started training. Uh, like I started in 2010 and then throughout all the classes that happened between then and when Andy joined, I think I was like the only one that stuck around like long term. Wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. Well, that Very is, crazy. Um, that, uh, that's just a testament to really how, how tough it is. I mean, to your point the fact that someone would make that investment, that financial investment, which is steep. And then just, you know, however long they are, they get into it, just realizing that it's just, it, you know, they got a choice at that point, like, Mm -hmm. do I, do I stick with it because I've made this financial investment or is it just not something I'm going to be able to do because it's too difficult. And, and the, like you said, the amount of people that choose not to continue uh, I mean, that's just the the proof right there about how difficult it is to make it in this business um, is, is in that. So, and and it's also a testament to guys like yourself, Mandy Leone, as you mentioned, and anybody else who makes the commitment and sticks with it, because um, to your point, uh, you guys are actually in the minority. The people who stick with it, in your mm-hmm. experience, are are in the minority. Um, so you you go to the dojo. I think you said 2010, right? Mm-hmm. You don't actually. So you trained for like 2 years before you had your first match on the indies. Is that is that correct?
0: Yeah, uh, I started October 25th, 2010 and I had my first match May 4th, 2012. So about uh, about a year and a half.
1: And in between you're uh, obviously you're training at the dojo, but you're going on the road, right? With Ring of Honor as part of like ring crew and doing odd jobs and basically doing whatever you need to do, right?
0: Yep, yeah, from that Period for that like two year like there was like two three year period where I don't think I missed a single show except for like maybe one that was like on the in like California or like Vegas or something but I was going to every single show uh travel on the road like just I wanted to be around it as much as possible uh I actually almost felt uh, my senior year of high school because I missed like so many days and like uh, <laughs> being on the road for Ring of Honor like uh, only one of my I told one of my teachers like only one of my teachers knew but and then I, I remember telling my guys counselor I was doing this and she just thought it was ridiculous and was not supportive at all
2: um, but
0: like uh i i think at my school i went to like a like a private like Catholic school i think we had like if, if we actually had a lot you know they had like 15 unexcused absences or something like that uh and i think i got to like 16 and they're like all right if you miss another day you're gonna like fail the uh the semester." <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, did you take your books with, are you like um, in between like uh, putting the ring up and, and picking up streamers? Are you, are you like doing your math homework in the back?
0: No, nah, I would just do it when I got home or like yeah. day up. Like I, I was like, I was like pretty decent at school. While you're, while you're waiting
1: to make your debut, are you um, like chomping at the bit? Like, did it seem like it was lo- taking longer than it should have been? Um, or were you just content to be around it? Like you said, and, and doing what you needed to do and just, were you were you waiting patiently
0: no I was wait I was waiting patiently it didn't even like cross my mind to be honest um uh, I just was content like and just getting better and it, it uh, I think it was end up you know benefiting me a lot that I waited as long as I did before I had my first match um, and fun fact though uh which I don't know if I've ever took this like an interview but my first match was actually given to me by the briscoe brothers they uh the briscoes had a show and uh, Laurel, Delaware, like their hometown. Uh, it's called like Pro Wrestling Revival, and they did like and it was their very first show. And I remember they built the lyrics of like, "Oh, like we uh they they knew me just from the shows." So they're like, "Oh, yo, about well, Cheeseburger has his first match on the show." And uh, I remember the lyrics and the Grizzly Redwood came up to me. They're like, "Hey, we got good." I, it was in hindsight, like I feel really bad because I was having like a, for some reason I was having like a really bad day that day, and I came in the train and kind of was like, uh, not really like just feeling well at all just kind of like a lot of things going on uh like in my head and like uh they came up to me and were like hey we got good news you're gonna have your first match like the briscoes uh like one of the books on their uh their show in delaware and i was like oh okay that's cool and they're like aren't you aren't you like excited you're gonna have your first match? like what's, what's wrong with you <laughs> totally no sold it yeah yeah it was awesome though the briscoes uh they gave me uh my first match and uh Got paid forty bucks for my first match. I was a very, uh, I was like, "Oh man, I'm not gonna see this for a long time again." They, uh, they, oh, they I was paid me. Say, that's a that's my, payday. That, that's a good for a first match. That's a really good payday. I was like, I was like, "Oh, that's cool." Like the Briscoes took care of me. Yeah, that's not a hot dog in a handshake. That's real money. <laughs> it was a while before I got that again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I did some research and I found out that your first match, at least this is what uh, my research told me, your first Ring of Honor match. And you can correct okay. me if I'm wrong was actually a, a a match for the World Tag Team Championship. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's you, absolutely correct. You and Roderick Strong, uh, the challengers, against mm-hmm. the World Tag Team Champions at that point, Red Dragon, uh, Kyle O'Reilly, and and Bobby Fish. So tell me about that. Like, when do you find out, uh, you know, hey, Berger, uh, you're on tonight. This is your debut. Oh, by the way, here's, here's what you're doing.
0: Uh. I was at the, I don't remember like when exactly it was. I do remember being at the dojo and they were doing that, um, uh, that like hoopla show that they had. And, um, they're like, Oh, you're gonna have your very first match. Um, and it's going to be uh, you and Roger strong against like, um, uh, Colin Bobby. I was like, Oh man, this is like, like insane. Like I was like super nervous, but I, I was, I knew it was, you know, putting me in there with three you know veterans and fantastic wrestlers to kind of take care of me. And I thought that was, uh, like a really good match to debut on but uh it was actually not supposed to be a tag title match it got missed like when the announcement came out it was mislabeled as a tag title match so it just ended up becoming the tag title match somehow so my very first match I was just like it ended up being for the tag titles and and me and Roddy and uh, that match was that match was really fun I looked back on that match um and it still I think holds up really well and I was just Happy! I didn't mess anything up or like embarrass uh, my trainer, uh, and it, it went really good. I was super, I was super nervous. Like I couldn't eat the entire day. Like uh, I remember going out to eat with, a, I think it was like my friend Bird and like I, know, and I was trying to eat at like Fridays, and I just anytime I took a bite, I felt like I was going to throw up. I was really, uh, mm-hmm. And uh, the match went really good. I just remember like was giving me like a big hug. It never like happens. Super happy, like super, like proud that it went well.
1: Yeah, what an amazing story! I had no idea. So it's it's just it's cool that you're. I mean, you've got to be a very. That's a very select group of people, I would say, that their first match is a title match. <laughs> but how hilarious that it wasn't even supposed to be a title match. So that's, right. That's pretty cool. But man, they. I think it's cool too. They put you in the ring, like you said, with um, you know, three of the best wrestlers in the world. So it's almost like what a. I mean, you've got a safety net, you know, being in uh-huh. the with three guys like that um and look i mean for your first match heck they could have put you in an enhancement match and had somebody beat you in 20 seconds but to be actually be in there and it'd be mm-hmm. that i mean that's a that's a great way to kick off a career i would say
0: yeah it was a long match too like i i, I had to go back and um do like a rewatch it from the youtube series where people watched their first real Honor matches i didn't realize like how long it was like that match went like 15 minutes or something like that yeah
1: well, I want before we take our next break. I want to talk about another uh, memorable segment that uh, I know you discussed with me once before. I think we we did a uh, we did a ten questions segment um, ten questions article for the website, and I asked you what your most embarrassing moment in pro wrestling was, and it involved the hoopla hotties and uh, oh. <laughs> and Rhino. Uh, <laughs> so, for <laughs> people who aren't familiar with that story, uh, could you tell that story?
0: Oh man, that was an um... a uh columbus ohio i want to say 2013 and there was a segment where it was we like two-part was in the ring with um i believe it was at the time the hoopla hotties or scarlet bruneau and uh I wanna say. and he called me out and he's just like hey like i'm in cheeseburger i was still ringside at the time he's like cheeseburger i've been like seeing what you're doing and everything and i want to give you like a reward and he's like uh how about like a dance with the hoopla hotties? So, uh, I'm like sitting in like the chair, and the hoopla hotties are giving me like a lap dance, and like he's, uh, I decide to, like I come up, like I stand up, but like I'm gonna take my pants off. So I, like I drop my like, the, uh, like I have my like underwear on, obviously, but like so, I'm like my jeans are around my ankles, and the hoopla hotties are across the ring, and I start like bunny hopping across the ring to them, and then they. I'm looking at them. They both exit the ring, and I slowly – and, like, Troop exit the ring. I slowly turn around, and then Rhino's in the ring, and he just hits me with a gore while, like, my pants are down around my ankles. <laughs> it, it was one of my favorite segments I've ever, I've ever done. That is I go awesome. Back and, I got posted on, like, uh, social media or something. <laughs> All right, so I got to ask this question. You know, inquiring minds
1: want to know. So, are you more nervous, like, that first match that you have – uh, in Ring of Honor or are you more nervous knowing that you're going to get a lap dance from the hoopla hotties
0: <laughs> definitely that, definitely that first match. so okay <laughs> definitely that first match. <laughs> yeah hey probably a lot of guys would have uh, wanted to be in that position I would I would think oh, that was a fun segment I got I got through a lot of, like uh looking back I got through like some really really fun segments uh throughout my career
1: <laughs> well that's a memorable one uh for sure all right. I just hope you weren't so nervous that you couldn't enjoy the uh the lap dance.
0: Yeah, the other one that I'll bring up like very briefly, uh uh I, I completely forgot about it like until like a few weeks ago when I saw uh Maria back at Ring of Honor. But there was like a like early on, like one of my first feuds was with um Bennett and Maria. Was, like uh right. yep. and, um, there was like a segment where I think it was um Bennett was wrestling, I wanna say uh Carly or somebody and I've been like they have been like bullying me or, or something uh, for like the past few weeks. So I re- I think he's been with Russell and Roddy actually that's what it was. Um, and so I remember I came out like Rhea's Rhea's I came out like didn't read down, like I kissed Maria and to distract Bennett so Roddy could get the victory. And I completely forgot that segment even existed until I, like until uh, like very recently when um I've been seeing like Ben and Maria a lot more. I'm like oh yeah I've like gotten to work with you guys like a lot like we had like. Uh, a match that was really fun. I gotta go back and watch it. It was like me and Bob Evans versus Maria and um, uh, Bennett. The logic behind the uh, it being an intergender match was um, me and Maria like weighed the same, so it made right. the match fairer. <laughs> That was, that was the idea behind it. Yeah, we we,
1: we talked. We had Maria on a few weeks back, and we we brought that match up because she's only had really a handful of matches. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she's been a manager, obviously, for a ton of matches, but in Ring of Honor, she only had a handful. A, a handful, and mm-hmm. that was one of them. And we talked about
0: that. <laughs> oh, that's all. I, lo- I love Maria, and Mike. Right? They're two by two of my I'm so happy they're back in the locker room. Like they're always been super cool to me. Always been super easy to work with. Given great advice. My first indie matches back uh, after the uh lockdown was getting the wrestle with Bennett and the singles match. It was like my second like match back uh from quarantine. And I got to wrestle Bennett in like a like a long singles match in Chicago. And uh I think we both kinda like went into that match to like something to prove and like I hadn't wrestled Bennett since I was like maybe like 18, 19 years old and to get to wrestle him like now it like it felt so good at such a good time.
1: Yeah, that's great. I mean obviously you guys have have a lot of history together. Um, and I agree with you, man. It is, it is great to see uh, Mike and Maria back in ring of honor back home where they belong. Um, nice. l- last thing I got to, be- before we go to our next break, though, I got to ask you when, um, when you know, you're going to kiss Maria in the ring, does like Bennett pull you aside and say, Hey, now, uh, you know, this is, don't go too far with this. I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> <be watching."
0: laughs> No, no, they're, they're, they're super cool about their presence. I, I think, I, uh, I was I was just like more concerned about like uh not like dropping Maria like and, like I was just concerned about like oh man if I, if I like drop her like get like get so much heat uh I, nothing like that there they was no super cool about it I I had like a lot of like weird segments with Maria there was like I can't say it on here but there was like one where it was like me Maria Bennett Shelton and Bob Evans and like I called Maria like in the Hammerstein and I called Maria like a very like race in uh in uh New York. I won't, I won't say it here, but yeah. people that know the segment, they know what I'm talking about. It was, like pretty, it was pretty bad. I felt really bad afterwards.
1: <laughs> All right, good times, good times. All right, well, we're going to take uh, another quick break, and we'll be back with more with the uh, world-famous CB right after this.
3: I'm Quinn McKay, the host of Ring of Honor's weekly YouTube show, Week by Week. Join me every Tuesday for brand new episodes as we catch up on all of the groundbreaking ROH news and get exclusive comments from some of your favorite ROH stars. We also have some great weekly segments like Question of the Week, This Day in History, and Brian Zane's Top 5. Join me every Tuesday at 1 p.m. on social media and YouTube.com slash Ring of Honor for Week by Week. Far away, far away, far away, far
1: away. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is the world-famous CB. I want to talk a little bit now about, uh, well, we talked earlier about your love for Japanese wrestling, but uh, at one point, you get to um, not just be a fan of Japanese wrestling, you actually get to go to Japan and be a a performer in a Japanese wrestling ring. So uh, it's what, Wrestle Kingdom uh, 2016, I think, right. was the first one. Yeah. Number. Yeah, right. And yeah, I think
0: 2016, yeah,
1: 2016. And then you went back, you went three years in a row and for those, you know, I'm sure most of our fans know, but for those who don't wrestle kingdom, huge event, annual event for new Japan pro wrestling, every January 4th, um, 30,000 fans at the Tokyo dome. So like this is a, a super big deal and a super big deal for an American wrestler to be on the show. Um, First off, how did you end up getting booked on the show? And then for someone like you, who was such a fan of that style of wrestling, I mean, can you describe what it was like to be in that ring?
0: Well, uh, I like telling the story because it's a good uh, story sort of how I ended up getting my like first shot in Japan because it's, it's a good lesson to uh, not just young wrestlers, but wrestlers out there uh, everywhere. So basically what happened was the, First tour, the Niche guys came. Uh, they, Br- Ring Water needed. They were staying in um like King of Prussia in uh, PA, uh, and they needed someone like local just to uh, take care of them. If they wanted to go around, you know, like take them like out to eat or take them like sightseeing. Just they were they're in uh, staying there for like uh, like five days because they flew to Toronto. We had a show in Toronto, and then our next show wasn't the following weekend in New York, so they ended up in PA for about uh, like four or five days. Um, so I was. You know, i had a car and i was like close by and um they were just like hey can you, um take them around take care of them you know if they need anything like just look after them i was like all right so um, that was my job throughout the weekend i was still in, like i was going to i was in community college at the time so it would be like i would do my like two college classes then i would drive from uh, jersey to king of prussia to like go so, uh, take those guys like out we'd like uh, me and my friend we took them out to philly like they wanted to see all the rocky stuff we took them to the Rocky back to, like mickey's gym like uh, adrian's pet shop, like rocky's house uh we went have to eat and everything and then uh they there's a two-day seminar at the gojo and seminar so i had to show them back and forth for that as well so um anytime so i just became the guy that when they were in town like all right burger can take care of them they like having burger around taking care of them and I remember I was like sitting at home one day and I get a call and like, it's like a three-way call and I immediately, I'm like, all right, this is weird. Am I, am I getting like fired or something like that? <laughs> I was like, why is it a three-way call? And they call me and they're like, Hey, yo, you Japan, they want, they want to bring you out the, the dome. like, get you taking care of them all the time uh, while you're here. And they, it was like, He's, the words they used were like they said they wanted to bring me out because I was a good guy that was like the, that was the word not had nothing to do with my wrestling ability or whatever it's just hey this is a good dude that care of us so we worked mm-hmm. by bringing him out and I remember I was just like sitting there like stunned on the phone and like silent they're like are you still there like are you are you good are you good I'm like oh like yeah I'm here um so that was how I got over the first time just by you know being nice to the guys and, I, I, and like not like trying to get anything just alright, these guys are cool and I want to take care of them and make sure their uh, stay is like fine here and that they brought me out the first time for the uh, January 4th show, Wrestle Kingdom uh, 10 and I was originally supposed to do only the show on the 4th but they always do like the 4th and the 5th is uh, Corgan Hall. Um, so I come out and none of the fans have any idea like who I am. They're like, oh a cheeseburger of like number 4 in the, uh, the Bowery out. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, what? Who is this? Like, he like, uh, like black kid coming out. And like, Oh, but this, like, burger hat. But then, like, as the match goes on, they start cheering me, and uh, the fans start, like, getting behind me. Uh, and because the fans liked me the first day, they ended up booking me for the uh, January 5th show. And then after that, it was just a case of, oh, people like burger, so we're going to bring them in as a surprise, like, entrant in the rubble uh, uh, next week. But to touch on your second question, it was insane. Like, I it just – it did not feel, like, real. Like, I didn't believe I was actually getting to go to Japan until I actually landed on the plane. Like, I wanted to, like, literally get down on my knees and, like, kiss the ground. Like, I was so happy. Uh, Because I've been such, like, a huge fan of Japanese wrestling. Like, I just wanted to go to Japan in some capacity. Even, like, not even to wrestle, just go, like, see it and just experience it. And just not only to get to go there, but wrestle. And to wrestle for my favorite company, New Japan. But also, like, wrestle for my favorite company, New Japan, in Japan in the Tokyo Dome. Like, it's I can't even describe like what was like feeling like that energy of like walking. in Yeah.
1: I can only imagine the, the adrenaline, you know, pumping through your veins, walking through the curtain at the Tokyo dome, 30,000 fans there. Um, just amazing. And, and a good lesson too, I think as, as you alluded to uh, because you were, you're just generally a good dude and you're very respectful and dependable um that you got that opportunity and and I I know that you said well it wasn't really had you know nothing to do with my wrestling ability but I'm sure that played a part in it too like I, I don't think if you were um oh you know, yeah 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 I was like I, a, I yeah. think were yeah. in the ring on their biggest show of the year <laughs> just because you were a nice guy I think that may have that certainly helped but yeah <laughs> so I know that you became uh friends you have I know you've talked about it we've seen you team with and he became a legit friend of yours, which is so cool because earlier in this podcast, you talked about that match between Liger and Muda is what really got you into uh, Japanese wrestling, and he immediately became a favorite of yours, and then you get to be the guy's legitimate friend. Uh, again, what a cool story. Uh, how did you guys develop that friendship?
0: Um, it, like, the first time there... Remember going out to eat with a few of the New Japan guys, and um uh, Liger wasn't—he wasn't there at the dinner. But um, one of the guys asked me, he's like, "Oh, who's your who's your favorite wrestler?" And I was like, kind of like very like shy about it. And I was like, I was like actually like Tiger. son They're like, "Oh, really?" And then the the next day, I think they like told him because then the next day, and that was the day uh me and my friend took them like around Philly. And then the following day after that, I remember the next day, Liger gave me uh, like a New Japan shirt. I still have it hanging up in the closet. It's like. A new japan shirt and on the back he like autographed it it's like two uh to cheeseburger and has like a drawing of the liger mask on it and like has his autograph and, you know he gave that to me as a as a gift uh for taking him around and i was like oh this is like really cool and I, he like found out like he was my favorite wrestler and i think that was like how we started kind of uh interacting a lot more and we there was a at the roh uh, school there was a two-day new japan uh, seminar and during one of the days of the seminar, I tried to do, like, the palm strike in the match, and, like, Liger was there, just, like, I was like, oh, this is funny, like, I did it, and it was, like, terrible, and one of the guys was like, oh, you should ask Liger to actually teach you the palm." strike. I'm like, no, I can't. You think he actually would? They're like, yeah, they They brought me over to him, and they're like, hey, Liger, can you teach uh, cheeseburger the pom? He's like, oh, yeah, sure, like, right there at the, uh, in the school, he's, like, showing me, like, the technique and how, like, properly, and, like, where, like, to hit and everything, and that was, like, an actual, like, real-life thing that happened, where, like, he time to show me the contract and then I did the next day and like went well and it's like, oh and then we turned it into like the a storyline did a promo for Ring of Honor for it like again and where I started using it and made that my like, signature move and finishing my finishing move. So it was just like just he was always super nice, like super like helpful, like willing to give me advice and uh take the time to talk to me. And he's like, you know, they always say like never meet your heroes, but I'm glad I got to meet my hero because he was an awesome dude. Like super, super nice like one of the biggest legends in wrestling but still like super humble and super helpful to the younger generation he was by far like my person enough he I, I aspire to be the same person like, him. like a legend but someone that is still like super respectful and humble about their ability now when you when you're taking him
1: around philly when you're doing the sightseeing is is he is he uh is he wearing the mask or is he uh you know just being himself
0: just being himself, in uh, any any uh, any uh, public setting where it's like, oh, uh, a picture needs to be taken or like something like that, you always always mask them. You never catch him. Uh, you never catch him in the picture uh, unmasked.
1: Right.
0: No. Yeah. No, I yeah he's, always unmasked. Yeah, I know he's never been photographed
1: without the mask. That's why I was just wondering. Uh, of course, I'm sure because no one knows what his face looks like. He can go out to oh do yeah seeing thing and nobody knows.
0: Yeah, I yeah. think there was like a one point where we were, like at the Rocky statue, like puts the mask over, We like take a picture together, and I think like people that don't know wrestling just like look, like, what is this? What's going on here? Like, who's this guy in this mask? <laughs>
1: yeah, and it and it's it's not it's quite an unusual looking mask as well. It's not like mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it's definitely going to draw attention. That's for sure. <laughs> um, you, I think you told me a story one time too that uh, he really like made it easy for you, right? Your first time in Japan. Was it the first time that he like invited you into the? Um, oh yeah, into the locker room, right? To dress with all the new Japan talent.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I remember um, at the uh, at the dome the first time I go. We like it's it's cool to how you get there too. Um, uh, like from the Tokyo Dome hotel, there's like actually an underground tunnel that we can walk through that takes us to um, like the uh, like dugout area and like the baseball locker rooms in the underneath the dome. Um, so we walk, go through there and there's like uh, the locker rooms are separate, just like. Uh, kind of like a gaijin talent locker room like a flip club locker room like a chaos locker room kind of like new japan like um, uh Sekigun locker room and i remember uh one of the young lions come up to me and they're like hey uh, uh come with me uh you need you i'm like all right so i like get my like i get my stuff and i start coming over and it's like the out he opens up the door and i walk in It's like the like the main locker room, like everybody's in there. And I remember I was just like walking in and it was like one of those like record scratch moments where I don't look, I don't know if it was this, but it a hundred percent felt like everyone's immediately stopped talking, stopped what they're doing and just turned and looked at me. <laughs> and I'm just like standing there with my back. Oh man. like Oh, this is so weird. I was like standing there for what felt like a long time. I just stand there frozen. I feel like everybody is like looking at me. And then Liar gets up like like, Oh hey everyone, this is Cheeseburger. Like he's gonna be like joining us in here. He like uh, introduces me, everybody, and then, like bows, and they're like, I'm like, oh, and I like bow back, and, like, and everyone's like, I go up and like meet everybody. Everyone's like super, super cool, and, like super nice, but I just remember, man, I, it was like the this that like high school movie like record scratch. Like, oh man, everyone's looking at me. This is so embarrassing. Like, what was going on right now? I was so terrified. Wow, and so these are all the biggest all the biggest stars
1: are in there yeah. oh yeah are you the only american in in the in that locker room um i think yeah i think that that year i think i was the only one wow what a great that
0: that's unbelievable i mean you're probably thinking you know i could retire at this point and i'm good i actually yeah, i said that to my friend i was like i was like oh man i was like i'm done in tokyo dome i got to live my dream i was like i can just die happy and they're yeah. just like well you know there's still like plenty of other cool things you can do like so don't- don't like you there's still, still plenty of other like cool things to accomplish
1: yeah plenty more to do but sure um geez that's I can only imagine you know what that must have been like for you uh, to be uh, have Liger welcome you in like that um then you actually get to team with Liger mm-hmm. um I, th- I think uh the first time again correct me if I'm wrong was
0: it against the addiction uh Daniel's yes. and Kedarian? Mm-hmm. yeah I like that I like that match a lot that was in uh Chicago I believe so what was that like
1: that, that, you know, now you're getting to actually be in the, you know, to share the ring with him as your tag team partner. Um, and you guys went over in that match too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that was, that was super cool. I, I really, I was really comfortable with that match. I think that was the first time I got to work a uh, CD and uh, Kaz as well. So uh, being again, another situation where it's like me and being in there three veterans, you know, just makes it you know, easy for me to do my job. Uh, and I, I really, I really enjoyed that match. You know? Uh, I love uh, Daniels and Paz. I'm really, I was really happy. Those are two guys Liger has known and has a lot of respect for, and they have a lot of respect for Liger. Um, so, just getting to be in there with like three like fantastic wrestling minds is so cool. And the fact that we actually won the match too uh, was a cool moment. Like, there's a great picture uh, uh, a couple of people took from there where like I'm sitting there, like, cheering up for our pen Daniels, and like Liger like, comes up from behind and like, hugs me, and i just like sitting down and we're like embracing each other. It was such a cool moment. So I want to talk about um, another Japanese wrestler
1: that I know you became close with, uh, and that's Hana Kimura.
3: Um, Mm -hmm.
1: And I know that you paid uh, tribute to her, uh, the match you had against Tracy. Uh, I know you put this on your social media that you tied a pink bandana to your boot um, in tribute to her. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure everyone knows uh, Hana's uh, story. Uh, You know, for those who don't, she uh passed away tragically um God, what's it been? Has it been a year
0: it's uh, uh no, it hasn't been a year yet um but uh it happened like may of last year. this year has going by so fast it's, yeah like just blown by yeah it, it, I think it was uh may last year okay
1: um tell me about Hanna, how you became friends and just um you know for someone who knew her well like you did, just what kind of person she was, and um you know just. I'm sure it's probably still difficult to this day with ten nine ten months later to even think about um you know just how tragic that whole thing was,
0: yeah, it was yeah it was like it was definitely a shocking like, it was something you never think of like something weird it's, like it happened and, and I heard it, and it was like, a huge blow to my heart you know, and I, it was just it just blew my mind like I didn't think anything like happen, but um touch on like how we ended up becoming like friends was uh like, I actually, like, r- I met her mom before her. Like, I, kn- I wrestled her mom in New York for a show. I don't remember what year it was. I wanna say, it was, I want to say, like, 2015 in New York. Shibusa uh, Nagayo had a uh, show for a company, Marvelous, uh, in the US. And uh, Sumi ended up getting me uh, booked on that. wrestled. It was like an uh, interjection match, like me and uh, the girl Kumi versus uh, Brian Fury and uh, Yoko Kimura. And I had met Kyoko through that, and we had a a really fun match. And my second tour of Japan, Sumi was uh, out in Japan because she was wrestling with stardom. So she invited me and Delirious to come to the stardom show. And I went there, and I saw Kyoko. I was like, I got to see Kyoko again, and uh, Hana was there. But she was supposed to wrestle, but she ended up having a broken wrist. So uh, I went to the show, and uh, me and Hana were just kind of standing there watching the matches, and then afterwards, everyone – went out to eat uh, and we just sat next to each other. We started like talking and we came like uh, that was the first time we became uh, friends. And then when I went back uh, home to America, we would just exchange messages and talk like uh, like almost like, every other day. Yeah. I never got to know
1: her at all. I, I you know, we brought the stardom uh, talent in for a couple shows and um, you know, all I got was uh, you know, a hand, you know, a chance to shake her hand and say hello. But even in that, just very very brief interaction um you know it sounds cliche but it really was true like someone who has a smile that lights up a room mm-hmm. oh and yeah and it has this um sweet personality and like you could get that even just from a handshake and, and a hello and just watching her interact with other people so um you know just so, again uh, the people who knew her like yourself i know it was just such a horrible uh, loss uh, she was 22 years old and again for those who aren't familiar with the story it was you know she was basically cyberbullied um yep. and and took her own life and it's just you know it's a, it's a great lesson i guess to um just be nice to people you know mm-hmm. like before you hit send on mm-hmm. a mean tweet or whatever a nasty eat, whatever it might be um just think just think beforehand and and uh you know don't hit send because you know, without getting preachy, I mean, you know, it, that's that's why it was such a horrible, you know, just such a horrible loss to um, not just the wrestling world, but you know, to anyone who.
0: Yeah, like you know. it's yeah, such a young, like talented wrestler with like so with such a bright future, like you know, she had just you know wrestled the first time in the dome herself uh, with the Stardom uh, Japan partnership, uh, and you know, was well on her way to uh, working her like becoming, like, a huge, like, main event star in uh, stardom, and just, like, you know, such a nice person, like, like you said, like, just, even just meeting her backstage and everything, like, she had so much, like, charisma and so much personality, and that that really show, uh, showed out when she uh, was in the ring, like, and, again, like, being so young, like, getting to wrestle in the Tokyo Dome, uh, wrestling on the, you know, Massive of Garden Show as well, uh, and getting to travel, like, she traveled to so many different countries to wrestle, like, you know, had so much potential uh, and just to see it all kind of taken away because of a cyber bullet over like a super reality TV show. Yeah, over uh, a reality or, you know.
1: TV show. How, how, yeah. just how absurd, you know, and sad. Um. Yeah. But you, you, you make a great point about her as a wrestler though. I mean, uh, being so young, but you could just see the it factor, had mm-hmm. the it factor, a lot of charisma, good in the ring you know obviously her family uh you know was in the business um and uh, yeah i mean just to think how many more years she would have had as a top star
0: yeah like uh people something people don't realize too it's like she was a she could have been like a you know if she decided to make the jump eventually to in a a u.s promotion like her english was fantastic and like uh she's completely self-taught and like he uh spoke english like incredibly well like she could have been uh like a big star in america as well like um he, like, uh, she like she she would always like tell me it was bad, and I'm like no, like your English is like super close to perfect, especially like being someone that's like self taught. You know, it was like really, really good. Uh, like she could have been a, a star in like over to America like easily.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. It was great seeing her in Ring of Honor, um, seeing her at the Garden, mm-hmm. um, and you know, obviously we would, you know, she she would have you know made many more appearances, I'm sure, um, in America.
0: Um, yeah, I I, I oh, sorry to interrupt, uh there's like um uh, awesome like picture of us that like the one of the last times I think we hung out in Japan. Uh we're all we were all, like out to dinner at like uh like Sumi and like a bunch other people and she had this like one of those like uh uh cameras were like you take it and like the picture comes out and you like shake it and like one of those like old school like <laughs> cameras for some reason. But she took like a picture of us together at like dinner and uh gave it to me as like a gift and I keep that uh call it like because of, of the
1: you mentioned um her english i want to transition into uh your japanese um how how fluent are you in speaking japanese
0: oh my my japanese is so bad i haven't so like i i when i was going to japan like like every year i decided to start studying japanese and i studied like almost like every day for about two years and um, i got like uh, pretty decent at it so um there's a tests that you can take. Um it's like the JLP Japanese uh language proficiency uh, test. Um and there's like five levels like it's like N five until like N one which is the highest and like all right I'm gonna study, I'm gonna try this test and then see how to do it. Um I took the N five level and I went to Villanova University to take the test and um took the test. I passed, I got the certificate, uh so I thought that was pretty cool. Um as far as speaking though, um I got very comfortable to speaking to where I could at least like Hold my own in a conversation. Like, um, where I remember one of the times it clicked for me was uh, I was out to dinner and uh, getsu was there and her English, was, like, not like very good at all. But I was able to have a conversation with her almost entirely in Japanese and we were able to understand each other. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Um, and then I would send Sumi me, uh, my Japanese homework, uh, to you know, correct me and like fix the mistakes and everything. <laughs> um, so having her around helped me out a lot. Like, she was uh, tell me the mistakes of that. Uh, so when I was like studying like heavily, it was doing really good. And then once I stopped going to Japan, I just got lazy and stopped studying. So right now, I could still like get by in a pinch, but I wouldn't say I can hold it. Okay,
1: but you know, you could say like certain sentences. Right, like if I were to ask you how to say something in Japanese, you might know. yeah
0: yeah okay. I can get by with that. Uh, I I'll, I can I can definitely read it better than I can speak it now for sure.
1: Okay, well let me let me just give you a quick test then. Oh, oh God. Say, how do you say Brian Johnson is an ass?
0: Oh, uh, uh, how do you say Brian Johnson? I'm trying to think of the inflection. Uh, okay. Johnson son, Johnson son, uh, uh, which is like John Brian uh, Johnson uh, son is a uh, very stupid. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, that
1: uh, Brian Johnson being uh, an ass that, that that translates in any language, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Sumi's going to hear this and she's going to like yell at me because I probably said something wrong, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure uh, that's correct. Okay.
1: All right. Well, hey, even if it was a little bit off, um, <laughs> anything that you know puts Brian Johnson in his place is good with me. <laughs> so you mentioned Sumi a few times. Let me ask you that. There's another person that um, you've became very good friends with. Um, kind of looks like an odd couple to see the two of you together, but I know that <laughs> – didn't didn't on a Halloween thing one year, you dress up like
0: her and she dressed up like you. Oh yeah. So that's like a match that's lost to the ages. That was on the uh Jericho crew, that Oh was, uh, right, okay. Yeah. That was uh I think the last day that we um wrestled there on the, the last the final day of the crew was, um it was like Halloween night, so everyone had like costumes. So Sumi came up with the idea of, hey, uh you should dress up as me and I should dress up as you. I was just right away I was like, No, absolutely not. And she kept like Bringing it up and bringing it up, and finally she convinced me. I was like, All right, fine. So I ended up getting like one of my mom's wigs to wear for like the, the hair. Um, and so uh, I, the last day of the cruise, I'll just walk around. I'm in Scooby's outfit, she's in my outfit, I'll, and somehow they both fit each of us. Um, and we wrestled, <laughs> uh, we wrestled Flip and uh, Randy Rhodes that night. And I, I love that match so much. And for, like, there's no footage. I, well, there's footage somewhere, but like, I guess Ring of Honor doesn't have it. But I really want to see that match back because it was. I really want to see that match. Back. It's so, so much fun. Um, and I just remember the. Era was like At the last day, um, people from Impact were there as well, because um, they had like a, like LAX and like Murphy and uh, I think like Callahan and a few other people. Big tag match at the end between, like, with them and the, the elite guys. Um, and I remember the first time I met Conan. I was like standing there in Sumi's gear in his wig, and Conan walks to the locker room and I see him. and I was like, hey, hello, nice to meet you. He just kind of, like, looks, up, looks me up and down. He's like, hey, nice to meet you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, he probably thinks I'm, like, just a huge dork or something like that. What if I look at that? So, yeah, that's why, that's why I'm meeting Conan. Yeah, that's I'm I was dressed up to me time. I met him. <laughs> I could imagine the
1: look on Conan's face when he got a little. Oh,
0: man, I, I was just like, man, I feel like the biggest, like, dork right now. <laughs> well, the fact that he no sold it is makes it even better than if he had had a remark, or, you know. Right. <laughs> that's perfect. I, I can't imagine what he was thinking. Just like, oh yeah, there he is in Sumi's gear. Yeah, no big yeah. deal. The match is so fun though. I, I love that match so much. I hope cruise was a blast. I yeah, it's it's weird to think like I wrestled in the Tokyo Dome Square Garden and like the first ever wrestling cruise.
1: Yeah, man. You you've you've definitely done some cool things. And and look, you obviously you're just getting started. I mean you're still a young guy, you got a long way to go, so you know, you could write a you could write your book at this point, and it would be pretty good, right? So you've yes. you got some stories to tell, some experiences. So you you might have a few different. You might be like Mick Foley and have like three different memoirs by the time you're done.
0: Oh man, yeah. <laughs> I can only hope.
1: Well, I know that Sumi is uh, is a trainer at the Worldwide Dojo um, that you own uh, in Bristol, PA. This used to be the Ring of Honor Dojo. Mm -hmm. uh before uh they relocated it to uh to baltimore um let me just ask you about that like did you always aspire to one day be a trainer uh what was the impetus to um to 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 getting the school
0: uh it wasn't something i had ever thought about long term or like aspired to do um it kind of happened by accident um in terms of uh I became one of the assistant trainers at Ring of Honor. Um, so uh, I was in like uh, the class of 2010 in uh, Ring of Honor. And then a few months later, every few months we start a new class. And pretty much right when the next class started, I was helping teach at least a little bit. Um, and I was only like, a few months in, like not anything big. It would just be like, hey, uh, like the lyrics be in the ring doing stuff. Be like, hey, uh, Burger, like do the warm ups with them, with the new students, like on the outside and show them like how to lock up. Um, so uh, because they weren't allowed in the ring yet um so I was like, oh, okay so I'll, I'll i'll be on the floor and just be like all right uh here's the workout all right here's how you lock up you put your foot here put your hand here all right here's how, like a waist lock just super simple basic stuff like that but um then that turned into hey uh burger i'm going to be like lawyers like hey uh, you know he's insanely busy he's like hey i got this phone call i'm going to be like late uh can you um get training started like uh go through the warm ups and like kind of get the, the beginning drill started and then I'll be up in the 30 minutes like all right so it kind of just progressed like that and then to eventually where he was like hey uh, I'm gonna make it in today can you run class today okay um so I just got over time I was just always there every week at training and uh I started picking things up and uh Delirius knew he could trust me to like teach people the way he wanted people to be taught so I just got more and more responsibility over time um and that led to me eventually getting the title of a uh, assistant trainer at the uh, ROH Dojo for uh, about three, four years. I want to say um, I, I worked as an assistant trainer uh, there, and then when the dojo was moving, uh, and the facility was getting shut down, and everything was gonna go. My students that all lived in the area, you know, their home was moving. You know, it's like it just all of us. Like that was a hard time for all of us at the dojo. And we, Ring of Honor was our home and uh, we grew up in wrestling and just to see our home essentially like taken away from us was like a huge blow to us. Uh, so uh, all my students were wondering like, all right, um, you know, Baltimore's so far and we don't want to move to Baltimore and like we don't even know if we're like welcome at the new dojo. So what can we do? There was like so many questions were up in the air about whether they would be welcome at the new Baltimore dojo and, uh, you know, besides that point, it's just, you know, a very far drive. So I was like, all right, well, all right, here's what I'll do. I got some money saved up. I'm going to reopen the school. I just like, I was like, I want to give my students a place to continue to train. I don't want them to leave their home. So I decided, all right, this is going to be a big undertaking and this may not work out. This may only last a few months, but screw it. I'm going to try and open the school up at the phone and keep it afloat. Um, and when I told Sumi that, she immediately wanted to jump on as like a, 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 the other trainer. She's like, I want to help you out. You know, I've been my friend for years. I want to help you out with this and you know make it easier for you and she you know it's been awesome having her around so the school opened up in May of 2018 and thankfully we've been going strong stronger since we have a bunch of fantastic students and uh I'm really glad I decided to make uh, like me myself as well I didn't I got the offer to go on the Baltimore and continue being the trainer at the Always Dojo, the Always Dojo. and I didn't want to make the move to Baltimore I wanted to you know where I was in jersey, uh, so I'm glad I decided to take a leap of faith and I'm glad start started to move out.
1: Absolutely, and this is
0: another way,
1: um, you know, for your legacy uh, to continue beyond just what you do in the ring. Um, obviously, you're, as we've said, you've, you've had a lot of great moments in your career, you've got a lot of great moments still to come, but now you will have the next generation of stars, uh, some of them coming through your school you you training them, putting them on their path, and that's another way for your legacy to live on, which is awesome.
0: Oh man, it's, it's the best part. Like I was, like um, I, as much as I love wrestling, like I feel like my true passion like now is being a trainer, and getting to help people achieve their goals and achieve their dreams. And it's been so awesome seeing like so many of my students like get opportunities in Ring of Honor, like Ryan Nova, Eli Ice, now Vita Von Star, all. Um, become like gotten so many opportunities and the chance to be on the ROH all getting to see them grow, and, uh, like evolve is, has been the coolest thing. And, and not just them, but my students on the come up, there are on getting to see them do like so many cool things these as well. Like it's been it's been super cool. Uh, it's been it's been it's been cool. Just, uh, I feel like this is my like true calling, you know, teaching the next.
1: Well, I don't want to put any, you know, additional pressure on him, but Eli Isom, I, I get the feeling that this this kid's gonna gonna really make his mark in this business.
0: No, yeah, definitely. Uh, he's he's super super talented. Uh, he uh, he's one of the he picked wrestling up like probably uh, out of all the students like I've helped teach. Uh, one of the fastest, like normally, like roughly on average, like someone to have their first match, I would say it take on average about. And, uh, he managed to do in about, like, he was ready for his very first first match in about six months, which is, like, super unheard of. Like, he, like, he progressed, like, insanely fast. Like, he's a natural athlete and been playing sports, football, like, amateur wrestling all the uh, entire life. So he picked things up really, really fast. And uh, I, it was one of the coolest moments of my career and probably one of my, like, favorite periods was uh, getting to do 3S with uh, Eli and Ryan Nova. I'm a big fan of Ryan as well. Like, both those guys have so much. Uh, two of my like besties I've ever called, uh,
1: well, you know the other thing I really like about Eli
0: on a personal level
1: is uh, you know he's not from Baltimore but he's a Baltimore Ravens fan, which yeah uh,
0: it's like the weirdest thing I don't get that and <laughs> so it's so, he loves the Ravens I, I don't know how that happened uh, but uh, I, did you see uh, him and the Balonis going back and forth with uh, during the football season.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, look, I go back and forth with Malonis myself. <laughs> you know, Malonis, obviously, huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan myself. Uh, you know, Ravens season ticket holder since day one. You know, oh, okay. lifelong, lifelong Baltimorean. I actually write for the Ravens website. Um, so, yeah, Malonis and I have had – he's actually <laughs> – Malonis is in my fantasy football league, believe
0: it or not. Oh, right. God. I bet that's um, so,
1: yeah, we, we, we go back and forth a lot. Um, and I know that, that Eli is on the right side and, I, and I appreciate that he's not even a Baltimorean he's an Indiana kid but he sees the greatness of the Baltimore Ravens. so I appreciate that well, about him
0: it's, but I gotta it's like take,
1: uh, oh go ahead I gotta take Umbridge was one with
0: one thing that you said though you're like oh, yeah uh, I didn't
1: want to move to Baltimore why what's wrong with
0: Baltimore I don't I don't like I, what? I, so uh, okay no offense to anyone that lives in Baltimore sorry Kevin I I Anytime I've been like, you know, Ring of War is going to Baltimore so much, and I just never like Baltimore. I just find it like very like unappealing, uh, like kind of dirty to be honest. Um, uh
1: charms! It's called Charm City. Uh, there's no
0: charm. I don't know. You don't see the it's charm. It's just like it, there's. It's how I'll go to Baltimore. I don't see a lot of charm. Like uh, <laughs> it's 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 not it's not a fun city. I don't I don't like it at all. I, I'll I'll okay. I'm fine, I'll take that back. I'm fine going there for two hours. Um, anything more than that, I'm. Uh,
1: all right. Well, you know, anyone who in Baltimore who listens to this now, when we do get fans back,
0: <laughs> I'm going to get, get booed so bad. Of the <laughs> I, I love the Baltimore fans. I will say I, the fans of Baltimore are awesome because Baltimore is where Cheeseburger was born, so they've always been that's supportive. Right. But that's the, right. the, In terms of living in Baltimore, I'm not a fan of Okay. And you live where now? Uh, I live in Jersey. I live like near uh Berlin. Ah, okay. I'm from uh, Trenton originally. Uh, I lived in. Uh, Morrisville PA, for in uh, years or something like that. Because uh, uh, when, I, when I first started training, uh, when I first went to research and wrestling schools um, where I lived at in PA, I I found two: was the Ring of Honor School and the Jakar School. And uh, the Jakar School was like 40 minutes away, up and they used to they had their training school in the the back of the uh, ECW Arena actually. Um, so they were like uh, way up there, and but the Rway School is only about 15 minutes from me in Bristol.
1: I'm still trying to digest Jersey's better than Baltimore, but.
0: Well, I, I, I mean, uh, Jersey's like, Jersey's has its problems too, but. Yeah. I like, I like I've living Jersey, Jersey a lot better. I've been
1: to, I've been to different places in Jersey. I, I'm that.
0: not saying Jersey's the best. I'm not saying I couldn't wait
1: to get back to Baltimore. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, maybe you're just not going to the right places in Baltimore. Maybe, I don't know, next time, like when things start to get back to normal, I don't know, maybe I'll show you some good places in Baltimore.
0: I like, I like the Harbor. I actually, um uh my junior high school class trip we went to baltimore uh, okay. trip. um we went to uh like three different places i can't remember the other one but we went to um i don't know if it's i have no idea if it's still open i went there like so long you know, over like 12 years ago but there's a place called the uh black and wax museum uh and it was yep. like a wax museum full of uh, just black history and black culture it was super awesome It was really cool to see I actually that place still open after covid I actually go back that that place like was really awesome it was uh any, I don't know. If, I don't know anyone else that's ever been here, but yeah, the blacks and Wax. and, and went to the. Oh, go ahead. No, I was to say there. There's that's a, that's a great place.
1: There's some other nice places to see. Uh, you know, if you love baseball, Camden Yards is a great place to see a we, ball. We game. did.
0: We did go to the uh, harbor. I did spend time at the, yeah. Harbor, and was the harbor.
1: Yeah, Inner Harbor is definitely the place where all the all the tourists go. But yeah, there's some hidden gems. But look, I you probably watched The Wire and that's <laughs> yeah i love the wire you watch the wire and you're like oh i mean i don't think that's helped the tourism business in baltimore
0: why <laughs> <laughs> the wire is actually like uh, my favorite tv drama too so that doesn't yeah. help i honestly as a
1: baltimore guy i, I refuse to watch it just because i knew it would make me um it'd make me angry probably just <laughs> although i will say this that yes there is a crime
0: problem in baltimore
1: um, so maybe it's not too far from the truth, but I, yeah,
0: I mean, I'm like, I get it. I'm like one town over from Camden. And that's crazy. right. It's not. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I well, I'm not going to tell my Camden story. All right. We,
1: we will, we will move on. Let's take our final break. And uh, then when we come back, we're going to play 10 questions with the world famous CB.
3: Experience the show that's winning critics and fans. ROH TV. The reviews are in. It's completely different than
0: anything in pro wrestling. I enjoyed every minute of this show.
3: ROH TV delivers. Valiant Saint Raves. Take my money. This was awesome. Join the ROH stars for the
0: Hashtag Watch ROH Watch Party every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific.
3: How do I watch ROH TV? Start by visiting ROHwrestling.com and using our zip code lookup tool to find your local listings. We aren't in your area? Don't worry. You can catch us on digital channels such as Stadium and Sturr City as well as Fight.tv. ROH TV also airs every Monday night at 7 p.m. Eastern on Best on the Planet, our newly launched 24-7 streaming channel, which is available on Sturr and Plex. The newest episode of ROH TV is always free on ROHwrestling.com and the Ring of Honor app. Ring of Honor has never been easier to watch.
1: All right, we are back on the ROH Strong podcast. My guest is the world famous CB. Before we get into ten questions, there's one other thing I wanted to bring up. Um, I know that uh, now that you've you know reinvented yourself, world famous CB is kind of a hot uh, commodity right now. You're probably going to be doing uh, some more of these interviews. You're going to be hitting the podcast circuit. I guess you know talking to the wrestling press. Probably going to get asked a lot of the same questions, tell a lot of the same stories. Is there any exclusive story uh, that we haven't talked about yet? An exclusive for the RH Strong podcast?
0: Uh, can I tell uh, my favorite road trip story? Sure. Um, I don't know if you're looking for like news or just like stories in general, well, but I have a great road story trip story. That, that we could say, you know, this is an exclusive, and don't tell it
1: on any of your other media appearances.
0: So I will. I will say I told it briefly. One other time but it was for our uh, pal, Ryan Sullivan. I think they okay. get I get, they get a pass. And that was an ROH, you know, his ROH. Podcast, but, uh, it's only for ROH podcasts. Okay. okay. All right. Um, my favorite road trip story, uh, involves uh, Ryan Nova. I love telling the story. Um, so uh, we are going now to Florida. It's like uh, in the car. I think it's me, Ryan Nova, Eli, and I want to say Shaheem Ali and maybe like one of my other students. Um For anyone that's traveled through North Carolina, uh, South Carolina, down to Florida, you'll know you pass by a place called South of the Border, which is like a, um, course like it's like a it's like a tourist trap, but it's like um it has like cool like Mexican restaurants and like attractions and all this stuff. Um, and every time I've been through there, it's always been at nighttime, but it, like there's a bunch of lights and everything. But um, we stopped there for gas, and um, we there's like one like there's like a twenty four hour like Mexican uh, restaurant in there, and I remember going in with uh, Ryan. I think they had like, like it's like two dollar or like dollar like tamales or something. And I'm standing there, and Ryan's like, "Oh man, they got like dollar tamales. I've never had tamale before." I'm like, "Oh yeah, tamales are like super good. You should try it." Oh, uh, so he gets the tamale. Um, get back in the car, and I'm driving. Uh, and Ryan's in the the uh, passenger seat next to me, utilizing like the. I'll leave in the back. Uh, so we're driving, and um, I'm like just listening to the music, kind of just driving. Like Ryan's eating this tamale. And he finishes, he finishes his, his tamale. And I go, oh, how'd you like it? Was it good? Do you think it was good? You know, because uh, tamales are fantastic. He's like, yeah, it was good. But like, man, it was like super, super tough. And like the skin was like super tough. I'm like, what do you mean the skin was super tough? He's like, yeah, it was like this like thing on it. And it was like, I was like, eating, it was like really like hard to chew. I'm like, wait, did you eat the corn husk? You know, I was like, you know, you're not supposed to eat the corn husk, right? And Ron's like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, like he's like. I'm like, yeah, you're supposed to like unwrap it and eat the tamale that's <laughs> inside of it. Eat what's inside of it? He's like, like you know, what? He's like, hey, you know, I was like, like, yeah, like the corn husk is supposed to be unwrapped, it's not supposed to be eaten. You know my favorite thing about Ryan, uh, it's like he's very stubborn and like very like especially when he feels like he's being like attacked, like he gets very defensive and he goes, So well, you know, if I uh if I buy some food, I'm gonna eat the whole thing. I'm not gonna waste any of it. We're like Okay, but you're not supposed to eat the corn husk, and like it's not meant to be eaten. It's supposed to eat on the unwrapped. And he's like, he's "Like, well, you know, uh, like if I get if I, if I buy food, I like to eat the whole thing." I'm like, "So we eat a banana. Do you eat the do you eat the peel, or do you just eat the banana?" More? And he had no response for that. I'm like, "Man, I'm like, why are you being so defensive? We're just trying to tell you you're not supposed to eat the corn husk." Yeah, at that
1: point, but, you got to be like, "Dude, just take the L on this one."
0: At, at that point, because I think like we're. Like it legit took him like thirty minutes to eat the whole thing because I like as I was driving I was like man he's eating this for a really long time man. and now like I wasn't like I was like looking at the rope and like listening to music so I wasn't like paying attention to it but like I didn't realize it took him so long because he was trying to like swallow down this like corn husk part of the fucking freaking tomato. God love him. Uh, right? Yeah. Uh, All
1: right. Uh, well, that's, man. that's an exclusive. That's an exclusive right here on the <laughs> ROH Strong podcast
0: and. <laughs> one other podcast. Please, please, uh, tweet Ryan Nova. Ask him about uh, eating a tamale with a corn husk. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Like, what's hey. his What's his uh, Twitter handle? Oh, I'll tell you right now. Hang on. Wait. Okay. Hold up. Oh man, he, uh. So when I told that uh, to uh Ryan Sullivan, Ryan like Ryan's a big fan of uh uh Nova. Like Ryan Sullivan's a big fan of Nova because the actually I'll I'll do t- uh, you got time for one more story about me.
1: Oh, we got nothing but time.
0: Uh, so his, his handles uh for everyone that wants to tweet him about the Cornhusk story, uh, at Ryan Nova Super. Um, so I remember I forgot about this story until um, Sullivan told me. So um, uh, Sullivan was saying he's in Baltimore and he remembers, um, he remembers Ryan because uh, there was something happened, There's like a hardcore match or something where there was like table debris and rain. And I remember it was like Ryan's like first like weekend. And uh me and like our head of ring crew we were like hey uh take this broom go in there and sweep out the ring like the next match We'd, like go and like sweep it out like really fast because uh, we're on like a tight time schedule like so, all right so we give him like you know like a regular not like a push broom it's like a regular like you know sweeping broom um so he gets in there and he like is holding this broom and he starts like trying to sweep he starts like trying to use the regular sweeping broom as a push broom like get the debris out and it's like it's not that's not you know that's not how that broom's meant to be used at all. He's trying to, like, push from the debris out with just a regular sweeping broom. And the crowd sees this, and the crowd starts booing him because he's doing such a bad job of sweeping. <laughs> like, I've never seen anyone get booed for their sweeping technique in my entire time in Ring of Honor. And the crowd, he was doing such a bad job of getting the debris out the ring. The crowd literally booed him in between matches. And uh, Sullivan was there, and he remembers Ryan from uh, from, that, from that, that incident as uh, the broom guy.
1: <laughs> that's tremendous yeah so I,
0: I i asked him i was like what i was like why the heck did you try and sweep it like that that's not how you just sweep you sweep me he's like oh you know i never had to sweep anything before i'm like what are you talking about you never had to sweep anything <laughs> before i'm like how, how's that even possible wow man what a life he's led never had to pick I mean, up yeah food. I, that's what i was saying i was just like how is i was like how these, these oh, he, oh he's probably like 20 at the time i was like how these kids man." I was only like you know twenty three, twenty four at the time. I was like, "Oh man, these kids come in." There. <laughs> yeah, these entitled kids d- don't even yeah. pick up a
1: broom. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Well, those are good stories.
0: Those are very good stories.
1: And uh, yes, I hope you uh, do tweet uh,
0: at Ryan. Yeah, tweet uh, Ryan. He yeah. uh, tell him to get an Instagram too. If you yeah, he hates uh, when I tell people to tweet him to get an <laughs> to get an
2: Instagram.
1: All right. Well, now we are at the point in this show where it's time to play. 10 questions are you ready uh, I, I think so uh, we'll see how this goes <laughs> alright should be painless for the most <laughs> part
0: and it is now time for 10 questions with Kevin
1: uh, question number one what's something on your bucket list
0: and this oh. could be related or not it, whatever uh, wrestle in Mexico. Um, definitely wrestling in so, uh, Mexico. there's been like two times I was supposed to go down to Mexico, and they both fell through. I was actually uh, scheduled to do a three month like uh, excursion to CMLO in uh 2017, I believe. It was like right when our partnership started. Uh, sorry to go off on like a tangent here. But, uh, no, no, they were like they were uh, asking like the office for like if a Ring of Honor guys to go to Mexico for three months, and uh, uh, they reached out to me. I was like, yeah, sure, and I was scheduled to go from, uh, like, September to September and get three months of uh, training down there and, like, wrestling experience. And uh, I got, like, the, 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 like, the process all done. and it had it in my passport. I was ready to go. And the tour, like, got canceled for some reason. And I was like, oh, well, oh, all right. So, uh, and then I had talked to another indie, like, right before COVID hit about going down to Mexico and then COVID hit and that canceled that. So Mexico's uh, on my bucket list. That's my next goal. Okay, yeah, that would be cool. Three months uh, wrestling for CMLL. <laughs> I was, like, super paranoid and super nervous, but I was like, oh, this is cool. But it's actually kind of going by myself. I was like, I don't know how this is going to go, but whatever. You really, you know, live one so or why not?
1: Absolutely. More experience, another chapter for the book.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Question number two, what's
1: something that's popular that you don't see the appeal of?
0: Oh, God. Mustard. Uh, get the appeal of Mustard. Uh, I, I argue with one of my friends about this a lot. Like, he's a uh, big fan of Mustard and thinks I'm super weird. Not like really, really. so, I'm like, I'm like, I, I, all right, I am kind of weird in one aspect. Uh, I, this, I absolutely just, I actually like yellow, mustard. I don't know how to eat it. Uh, I don't know, like, I don't like the smell, I don't like the taste of it, it's actually but I do like Dijon and honey mustard, the weirdest thing. Hmm.
1: No, I could see that there's definitely a different flavor between those, uh, those yeah, steels. yeah, I can,
0: I could see that if it's if, if, like yellow mustard, like, on like my burger or something like it, or a place I don't know it's on there and so I just I won't like eat it I'll like try and like wipe it off but even so I just won't eat it so do you like hot dogs I do like hot dogs what do you put on it um usually if it's just like a regular hot dog like usually just like uh, ketchup but if, if there's like a chili option I'll put uh chili on it
1: okay all right ketchup on a hot dog that that's gross just but just just so you know that's really gross no, no. horrible I can't understand people that put ketchup on hot dogs, but I get that's something we'll have to agree to disagree on. <laughs> All right, question number three: Who is your celebrity crush?
0: Oh, that's celebrity crush? Uh, off the top of my head, I'd probably say either uh, uh probably Mila. Yeah, uh, yeah, big just Mila Kunis growing up. Okay, All right,
1: that's a good one. Question number four. Are you a dog person, a cat person, both or neither?
0: Uh, so, if you asked me this question about like a few years ago, I would have said dog person exclusively. Um, now I'm both, I'm a cat person as well. And uh, another like sad story, we actually had a dojo cat that lived in my school for a few months, uh, like uh, the other, like few years ago. Uh, one of my students like left training and he came back. Hey, this cat like keeps following me and won't leave me alone. So They just brought it up to the school and uh me and sumi were there we thought like maybe it was like it was super friendly so we thought it was someone's pet so uh we let it live at the dojo and we were trying to find the owner and it ended up being a, a stray and i had to keep that dojo and like turn the back room it's like a little like a uh, cat room for it. and he just housed at the dojo and then like lived there for a few months and i eventually uh gave it to uh, one of my friends but yeah that cat was uh that cat really changed my mind about uh cats like i, I love that cat so much okay the we actually. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. We uh, we actually ended up naming the cat uh, Mayu after uh, Mayu Iwata.
1: Oh wow. Okay, that's cool. Now, did the did the cat get in the ring and take any bumps?
0: It got the ring. It wasn't supposed to, like it, uh, I would. Uh, so we had it in the back room for a while, and then we eventually like let uh, like when we like were close to school, we let it out. area, and sometimes it will come up and sitting in the ring and i was like "All right, know you're not supposed to be up there <laughs> he would like run back through. all right question number five
1: who would play you in your life story
0: oh man uh we actually had spent a road trip like discussing this exact topic um we uh we everyone that was on ring crew we cast them in like a movie and we came up with like actors that would play each character so i think mine was um his name. The, the the guy that played uh Chris Rock and Everybody Hates Chris. Uh, I think it's like Kyler or something. Uh, I, like I name. know who you the, mean. Yeah, the dude from Everybody Hates Chris. That would that would that would uh
1: and not a bad choice. Okay. Sometimes somehow, um at some point I have to ask you who some of the other uh actors might be who are portraying this is all Ring of Honor talent you were talking about, right? Yeah,
0: oh man, I had the list. I can't remember Uh I think the Delirious was um uh, I want to say Patrick Stewart. I think, <laughs> I think he got Patrick Stewart. I love it. Oh, um, I think uh, Rhett. We asked Rhett who would play him, and he said, "Um, uh, I, <laughs> uh, I think he said more in shape Jason Segel." I think he said more in shape Jason Siegel.
1: Interesting. And what, Rhett, Rhett, is um, he's an interesting dude. Let's just leave. Oh uh, yeah, there.
0: he's very very interesting.
1: All right, question number six have you ever had a paranormal experience and if not do you believe in its existence
0: nothing like too, nothing like too crazy like i've heard like weird weird, weird stuff like i've heard like stuff like um but nothing like really crazy i, I ended up being on um a paranormal podcast in the uh, me and mandy and uh, beer city group uh i never had paranormal activity happen but i did help my aunt and like a witchcraft spell when I was really young. So I don't know if that counts. Wait, say that again. Uh, I helped my aunt in a witchcraft spell when I was really young.
1: That's what I thought uh, she
0: <laughs> So, uh, I told... Uh, I, I, it was like a, po- a paranormal co- podcast on the Durable truths I told the story on... Um, basically, the gist of it was my aunt, uh, who I uh, lived with, uh, my mom, my grandma, and uh, her sister and my aunt, we lived uh, all together at the time when I was really young. And her ex who she had a kid with he like left her for some reason and she wanted to cast like a love spell on him so cast the love spell she got all the materials but she needed like some kind of like branch or something and we had a tree in the the backyard of my grandma's house so i had to climb up the tree and get like a branch off to give it to her the death spell and you know what man i'm not saying i'm not saying it worked but he was back they were back together like two weeks later I'm, that's all i'm saying <laughs> Hey, that's a proof as far as I'm concerned. Hey, I mean, it it, it didn't last though, but it uh, ended up working somehow. Uh, fun fact: to uh, uh, her ex's uh, nickname was uh, actually keys as well. No kidding. Yeah, I'm actually that exactly dead serious about that.
1: <laughs> All right, question number seven: Do you have a guilty pleasure? Is there something that you like that maybe you wouldn't want to admit?
0: Oh. Uh... I, my my workout playlist would be a big shock. Some,
1: uh,
0: I would I'll say that like uh, I like listening to some really weird stuff sometimes to give me give me that uh, to, to that workout. Like uh, I'll I'll give people just one uh, example. Um, how do I say her name? Like Bad baby. Like uh, she was the girl that um, got really popular from being you know, like catch me outside. How about that? On, like uh, oh Netflix yeah yeah or something. Yeah. She, she makes like music notes. Like one of her songs. It's called like we like little big fan of that song. That out for All right.
1: Well, yeah, that probably qualifies as a as guilty
0: pleasure. I, I thought her 15th. <laughs> like... Oh no, yeah. She, she's still sticking around. She actually, her music's not bad actually. Um, uh, But I, I wouldn't like playing like the car on like a road trip while I'm getting some weird. Yeah. Yeah. I could, yeah, I, I definitely see where you're coming from there. Well, here's another
1: music question. Uh, question number eight. Do you remember the first concert that you attended?
0: The first concert I attended, it was actually on the Jericho uh that was the first time that surprise like i told people that and they were like their minds were blown um the very first time i ever went to this concert was when we were on the jericho cruise and i listened to fozzy play live i was like whoa this is like what a concert is like this is awesome i was like i, I like i was like man I, I should go to more concerts this is really cool i had, I had a, a super fun time listening to that um and i was like i was like it was, it was just a super fun experience. It was like, it felt like a wrestling club, I was just like jamming out. And like, we we're all just sitting on the rings Just like drinking beers, just listening, enjoying the music. So, um, yeah, my actually, yeah, my first concert was on the Jericho cruise. It's crazy. Wow.
1: Never, never went to a concert as a kid or a young man.
0: That's interesting. I, mean, you know, I went to, I would go to comedy shows, but I never went to a concert. Okay.
1: All right. What do you, what, just between you and me, there's nobody else listening here. Uh, what do you think about Jericho as a vocalist?
0: I like, I like him. I like Bobby. Uh, I, there's a couple other songs I like having them on my playlist. Like uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Judas uh, Drink with Jesus. Um, I, don't be, uh, I, don't know. I can't I think of it? There's a um, uh, oh Burn Me Out. That's that's another one. I'm I, I like him. I like his song.
1: All right,
0: he he's got a lot of charisma. I, I think we all
1: know that. But uh, I t- just you know, I'm I'm kind of a metal music aficionado. Hmm?
0: The, the 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 vocals live. Have mm-hmm. a little, leave a little to be desired. That's uh, just... Well, I think too, like it being my first concert, I was just like, I had no, like I had never, I had nothing to compare it to. So I was right. like, oh, this is awesome. Like, know, oh, this is like, I remember I think like maybe like, uh, someone that was with me like made a comment, like made a very super comment. I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to music.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think he gets by on being Chris Jericho and his charisma and showmanship. And, um, and I think the sound mix, I think they turn up the, the guitars and everything. And maybe tone down his vocals a little
0: bit. That's I. Uh, I think I owe Chris Jericho for like something like ten thousand uh, Twitter followers. I think I, I think I owe him like a big time for that because uh, when we were on Destination America, he uh, he just happened to catch in like the second episode we had, and it was like me versus Bob Evans, and he just like tweeted, "Cheeseburger is my favorite wrestler," because like he liked me and his kids liked me, and just like my my Twitter like blew up, and it became wow. like a huge thing, and I ended up doing this uh, podcast later on. Okay. All right.
1: All right. I get it. So that's why you got to put over his vocals. His vocals. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, that, that makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, 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 I love Jericho. I just, uh, you know, he's not, uh, you know, he's not Paul Stanley from Kiss. He's not Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin. But then again. Okay, that's,
0: that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. But, but then again, who have they ever beat? Right? Right. True. Yeah. They don't have a thousand uh, thousand holds.
1: No, or a thousand and one or whatever it is. No. <laughs> All right. Question number nine. Which fast food chain or restaurant has the best cheeseburger
0: oh I love this question love this question I get this question a lot um, I'm sure I you have a very very strong opinion on this okay um uh number one uh In-N-Out Burger for sure and I know I know In-N-Out Burger getting a lot of flack recently I think In-N-Out Burger um In-N-Out is great um Steak Shack is really really good um I'm starting to come around to Burger. I didn't like it at first I'm starting to come around to Whataburger um uh, those would be my top three i would say in and out shake shack and uh Bottom. and yeah. if you want um just the side note if you three like work it would have to be uh burger king um uh burger king wendy's their burgers aren't all that good you know, i'm trying to blame um and five guys i hate five guys oh. I was with you until Five Guys. No, people, that's that's very controversial in the, uh, the burger community. I do not like Five Guys at all. I think it's really overpriced. Uh, and I don't think their burgers, their burgers always are very sloppily made. And it's just like, it's not as good as it should be for whatever price it is.
1: Huh.
0: Yeah, that is, that
1: is highly controversial. I, I love me some Five Guys. But to each his own. To each his
0: own. I, will, I will say uh, I uh went to germany for weeks and the five guys in germany is way better than the five guys in america really uh, yeah yeah i went there uh i went we were, went there i was saying uh my go so, uh the five guys in like a mall and i'm looking at the menu everything's in german and like she goes up and orders to order, and it's just looks away i'm like oh all right so i walk up i'm just trying to like look at the menu i'm like all right, what looks what I'm looking for? And I saw like something that said like salat, like S-A-L-A-T. I'm like, well, that's probably lettuce. So let me just take a chance on that. I'm like, all right, I'll get like salat, And then it's like, uh, like what's the word for onions? And onions start with like a Z or something. Oh, that's really weird. But it was was delicious.
1: Okay. All right. So when in Germany, it's okay to go to five guys. I'm going to make a note of that. Mm -hmm. All right. Question number 10. We've come to the final question. What piece of advice would you give, or do you give, uh, to aspiring young pro wrestlers? What's the um, best piece of advice?
0: The best piece of advice I can give any aspiring wrestler or anyone aspiring to do any um, ever, whether it's wrestling, like art, like, it's um, surround yourself with uh, good people that are going to help make you better. Um, it's very easy to get caught up in a negative environment and. Becoming, you end up becoming a negative person because um, That was one of the things I always appreciated about the uh, original R-Week Sojo, um, where and Daisy. They really made an effort to create a positive atmosphere that was inductive to learning and constructive, um, uh, but not like, you know, especially at that time in wrestling, there were uh, so many places that had that kind of a bullying uh, nature that is known to wrestling, and they made an effort to keep that out of wrestling and just create a positive learning atmosphere and that's what I try and do at the uh, at the Worldwide Studio now is create that same positive environment where you want to be around people who are going to help make you better and tell you what you do. we're going to tell you things to try and hurt people that are going to tell you things to try and make you better and they want to get better with you we're going to be jealous and try and bring you down and backstab you and everything um, uh, that would be my biggest biggest thing just find the right people to be around find people that are Better and then you know, learn from those people and grow together.
1: That's great advice. That's great advice. But hey, man, uh, I appreciate you giving me so much of your time today. This was an awesome conversation, and uh, man, this is an exciting time for you. You've reinvented yourself. This is like um, the first page of a new chapter that you've started out on. So, wish you all the best of luck, man. And um, like I said, you're off to a great start.
0: Thank you, man. I really, uh, I'm glad to finally be up here. Uh, That was an awesome conversation. It flew by. Like, we've been talking for a while.
1: Absolutely. Time flies when you're having fun. That's what they tell me. All right, well, man, thanks again. And I want to thank everybody out there for listening. And remember, a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHwrestling.com and most podcast platforms. So keep it locked on ROHwrestling.com and ROH's social media channels. That's at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, you can read my column, X-Files, every Friday on ROHwrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin Eck, staying stay safe and let's all be ROH strong.